0: Looking at a map, getting excited about where you've been before and where you're going to go later yeah. is infectious.
1: You know? It really is. You open up a map and it's this moment of like, well, also you're free. Like I could go anywhere here. And then like it's just a world of possibility.
0: Welcome to Deviate with Rolf Potts. Today is my latest Vagabonding audio companion episode where I remix conversations from other podcasts to dig deeper into the themes I explored in my book, Vagabonding. This time I talked to comedian Ari Shafir, who is consistently my most popular guest on this podcast. This conversation for his Skeptic Tank podcast happened in New York three years ago, and the conceit was simply to open up a paper atlas of the world and talk about where we've been and where we want to go next. The resulting conversation is kind of like sitting in a hostel and listening in on a couple of fellow travelers enthuse about the journey, which is to say it's not a disciplined, bullet-pointed rundown of expert advice, but simply two gung-ho travelers and amateur geography nerds thinking out loud about travel. We talk about how cocktail parties full of well-traveled people are always interesting and why it makes sense to avoid the obvious, well-known cities on the road. We talk about getting over your American consumer instincts when you first start traveling and why weird food can be a lot of fun. We talk about the joys of cultural inefficiency and how money from tourists changes places. We start by opening the map to China and marveling at how big the country is. Feel free to open up your own atlas as we jump from place to place. Let's listen in.
1: So I'm just looking at this now because I just went to um, um, San Francisco, and we had Hunan food, and we had Sichuan food. But it's so fucking big that they have completely different styles of food. Yeah. It, this should be 20 countries. Oh, it should be. And, you know, like like Tibet, for yeah. example, Tibet- kind of is
0: a country, mm-hmm. but
1: it's part of China. Uh, and but that's we're talking- nothing like Shanghai. I mean, that's way closer to India than it is to Shanghai. Correct. So, like, the food and the culture would have to be closer to right well racially it's you know it's it's Tibetan it's it's
0: not it's not a Han Chinese place yeah Um, and same with with uh, Xinjiang um, yeah the The Uyghurs um, which total that's another stand basically that's a part of Central
1: Asia and they're really rebelling yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was there last time, I saw. A, I don't know if I told you this, but I saw on the bus on the, on the train they have little videos in it's state-run media. everything's state-run media, and they showed an uprising like a somebody taking a hatchet out and fucking chopping up a mahjong game, and they show these guys like really? mahjong game going and they pull it under their under their shirts as a hatchet and is the Uyghurs, and then they showed them with a chop and it blurs right when the fucking like mallet hits their fucking head, like then it blurs. But they're showing this to kids and stuff on just the regular public trains. And, but that's state television, so they're probably trying
0: to show how savage the. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that yeah and it shows
1: all the, the heroes running after them and trying to find them, the, like regular people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that, like, there's a piece, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this wrong, so this isn't completely factual, but there's a, a sort of a Peace Corps style program where idealistic young Han, Han Chinese can go to Tibet to help educate people. They teach Chinese, oh, they really? do engineering projects. And it's sort, of, it's sort of an imperial project that basically Tibet was its own country 100 years ago. China took it over and now that's sort of a pretext to bring more Han Chinese there to have more local people speaking Han Chinese,
1: you know. Oh uh, right, so that they can eventually become the majority and just like you won't even know. They're right. Yeah, so us.
0: so that's an imperial project, you know. Not to infuse too much of your podcast with geography and <laughs> history. <laughs> but but yeah, no, China's a huge country and and it's really freaking old and I wish like more of their books and stuff were translated because they've been creating culture for 5,000 years. Um, but yeah, you know, like this, these parts in the South, um, like Yunnan, is it? Um, yeah. Kunming, that's Southeast Asia, you know? It that really is. Well it's be- very nice
1: Burma, Laos. Yeah. Yeah, they talk about in, when it was in Burma where it's like, it's a lot of it's half Chinese and half uh, Thai food, like, because it's all right there, mm. you know? They don't have any Laotian food in Burma, though.
0: Food what did you do for food in China? I, I had the, I, I had the craziest time just pointing at menus. <laughs> yeah, because like <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of not going to. I don't want to be a snob about it, but I don't want to go to the place where I'm supposed to go. I just want to sit down in a restaurant where everybody's eating, yeah. where all the Chinese people are eating. The problem being, I can't read or you speak Chinese. You don't even
1: know chicken fish. You're, just, you're guessing a, an ingredient. Hopefully they categorize it by ingredient.
0: Yeah. And then, but even if they categorize it, unless there's a picture, you don't know. You know if it's stir fry or noodles or, or yeah, exactly. You have no idea. And so I think if the restaurant's small enough one thing you can do is just go into the kitchen and point to the chicken mm-hmm. you know and then you have a chicken soup or whatever but this was this is in Beijing and it was probably like 18 years ago but I sat down like every day I'd go different restaurant point at the menu one day like most delicious chicken spicy over rice I'd ever had next day I get like a plate of fried assholes it's like the worst. <laughs> I swear to god It's right down to the pucker. Maybe it was like an intestine. Maybe it wasn't the actual (laughs) asshole, but it was. It was the worst. You know, obviously, a a country that has been poor fairly recently and has a lot of country people moving to the city. There's a lot of comfort food from parts of the country where people eat every part of the animal yeah and this was a part of the animal that had recently been home to feces right and feces <laughs> had passed through this organ and it was boiled and served to me over rice and so it was, it was like lottery it was like culinary lottery
1: but to them it's all the same it's all like oh it's chicken there's some innards it's whatever and you're like oh no but in America um, we like this stuff and we hate this stuff right <laughs> they don't well, even get well, they it they can
0: read the menu too yeah. right so they don't have to eat the boiled assholes if they don't, <laughs> they
1: don't, if want. They
0: don't want them but then also I mean I think there's Parts of American cuisine, like good old southern food, pigs feet and stuff like that, that harkens gold pig to pigs a, feet. Pickled yeah. pigs feet, yeah. Um, that harkens back to a poorer time, right? Where you yeah. where you just
1: if you had a pig to butcher, you you ate all of it, you know. Yeah, you're like Indian about it. Totally. So this is the idea you had of just getting an atlas and talking about just like going through it and seeing where we've been and where we want to go. Exactly. And you know,
0: like you've done two podcasts for me. And they uh-huh. both have been well-received, but people really love the second one because we're just talking about places we've been. Like the first time we were oh, talking really? about shrooms and Pulp Fiction and yeah. traffic jams and stuff. That's when we were in the car. When we were in the car in okay. Los Angeles. But then we were when we were here in New York, we were talking about souvenirs, but then we were also talking about – you were talking a lot about East Timor and Indonesia and stuff, and I was talking about Namibia. And uh, the feedback I've been getting is that, oh, I got so excited – I think that looking at a map, getting excited about where you've been before and where you're going to go later yeah. is infectious.
1: You know? It really is. You open up a map and it's just this moment of like, well, also you're free. Like I could go anywhere here. And then like it's just a world of possibility. Right. You know? And what I
0: love about the paper maps is that sometimes I think – In in the digitized age You sort of get your itinerary Right And you don't see anything That's off the itinerary You open up this map of China And it's like Oh yeah Fujian province And it's like Oh well, holy shit! I've never been to Hanoi. That's that's not that far. Yeah, it's far. right
1: there. Yeah, exactly. And
0: then there's here's Manchuria. Of course, this is China, so it's you know it's a long ways away. But but um, there's a Trans Siberian uh, spur of the Trans Siberian train that goes there. You can go from Manchuria to Moscow. You know, it, it goes all the way through China and up like. Well, there's ways to get from China. Like you can get from Hong Kong to Beijing to Manchuria on a train the whole time. Yeah. No problem,
1: Manchuria. Um,
0: Right, yeah. So this is the part right oh, above okay. Korea. Chinese people are really tall here. This is like the probably if, if the Chinese NBA stars probably have ancestry from from northern, yeah. the northern part of uh, China. Um, compared to to like a friend of mine adopted a, a, a child from the southern part of China, really small. You know that that it's more. Um, gosh, that sounds like a horrible generalization, but it's true. I think if you lined up people in southern China, they would be
1: shorter than the people in northern China. Yeah. Well, I mean. Uh, fucking borders are pretty random. Yeah. You know, it's just about who won a war here or, right. a, or a river runs this way. So it doesn't just, the people, like, before they were countries, they don't just stop. They don't become black and then white. It's just, like, slow fade.
0: Yeah, well, the nation-state concept goes back to, like, 1850 or something. You know, for years, it was ethnic groups and uh-huh. and alliances and, and, and different Paradigms for for how people considered themselves in the national language groups, language what language you spoke, sometimes uh, right. deline- your religion delineated like how you identified yourself. Now we have this. We're looking at this map, and China is yellow, and Mongolia is purple. I thought and Mongolia was
1: part of China.
0: I no, guess that's way wrong. No, well, there's Inner Mongolia. There's see, oh. this says Greater Mongolia. Actually, to, to finish the point that I was oh, starting yes, is sorry. that uh, if if you if you're online and you're planning your trip and all you're thinking about is Fujian, then um. Then Fujian is your trip. Where if you see that it's connected to all this other awesome stuff, and it's like, well, fuck going there for two weeks. I'm gonna spend a year. And there I know that there's a railroad that connects this and this. And oh my God, here's Korea and, and Japan, and there's this railroad that goes across Russia, and there's all these Central Asian republics. That's the, the joy of a paper map. Yeah. And that might even be an exercise. Like to anybody who's listening, sure, it's it's cool to dream about travel, but suddenly you get a you get a map on the table. And
1: it's really possible. Yeah. And I mean, you, you can, start seeing like, Oh, if I go to Israel, look, Egypt's right there. Or I'd go to Saudi from there. That's, that's yeah. pretty close. Saudi
0: could be tricky. I, I, I'd imagine I I'm, I'm thinking of there. independent travel, yeah. like just going and wandering around. Um, it's harder in Saudi, in Saudi, It's just, a, it's more,
1: Don't um, they have slaves there. <sighs> that Saudi Arabia where they yeah. just like take the, uh, Filipino like workers yeah, and they grab yeah. their passports and say, you got to work it off to get it back.
0: Yeah, there's actually in this part of North Africa as well. There's
1: some really? de facto slavery. Um, yeah, de facto slavery. It's not like you're not born into slavery, but like you're pretty much a slave. You can't. You're not free to go. Well, I know. Let's see if we get to the. I don't know if we want to make this episode
0: into a total bummer about human trafficking. <laughs> we'll just come off in <laughs> soon. But in Northern Africa, if we get to the Africa map here, um, I think it's it's Sudan or some place like that. Yeah. I don't know what kind of prejudices these map makers have? That Africa is the last <laughs> one here. Um, yeah, so so I don't even um, know about some of these countries. I think, like for example, I'm not sure if this still happens, but I, I suspect it does. Northern Sudan is more um, Arabic speaking and Muslim oriented, and then Southern Sudan is more animistic and tribal. Oh, um, really? And so because that's big it, too. It can, it, oftentimes they'll. Defeat, I ought to fact check this, but I know that there was a time when basically people were being kidnapped from these tribal regions and then taken up to work for free as slaves, basically in the northern part of Sudan. Dang. The loophole was oh, well, if you could become a Muslim, then it's better for you, you can't be a slave, right? Oh, really? Because mu- just- we can enslave um, non-unbelievers, right? But if you, all you have to do is convert, and then you're no longer a slave. We, we can't keep you being a slave. <sighs> and then you can go back? If we just I'm not, say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But it was a, it was a creepy thing. And so there's like a Swiss guy who would come and he would buy all these people out of slavery. Um, he would just come with a stack of money and, and buy people's freedom. And then somebody said, dude, you know that they're going to get on the bus to go back South and they're going to get kidnapped again. And then you'll have to buy it. It's, it's a complicated wow. situation. That's the, I mean, this is one thing that you, you kind of learn. It's easy to travel and be completely ignorant to all this stuff. Um, but if you, if you dig in a little bit, You don't have to dig that far into the history of Sudan to know that there's some really creepy stuff like that happening there. And that happens in almost any part, any country in the world, that you have these unfortunate things happen. In the United States, too, I'm sure that there's – if you looked into human trafficking or or other issues. They have it here, I
1: think. Yeah. Like real underground, though. But it's, uh, it's interesting when countries are a different thing north to south. You know oh, what I mean?
0: Well, it's, again.
1: And there's know. also regions. My friend went to Iran and she was like, no, no, it's gorgeous. There's beautiful hikes and stuff. But then it's like, oh. oh, but you don't go to that part. Don't be an idiot.
0: Oh, well, I've heard great things. Oh, there's great snowboarding in Iran. Really? Example. Oh, there's fantastic snowboarding. And actually, yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those countries. You know, Lebanon is another one. It should be like this super hip place, like you imagine, you know, a, a Switzerland or a France or something. It's this mm-hmm. big country with a lot of history and a lot of great geography and great cities and stuff they just have this weird religious stuff going on um, and I don't know it's, it's so complicated like once you start talking about Iran where are you going to stop talking because the drug trade is huge there right and a lot of even the Ayatollahs are, are propped up by drug trade money for example really then you have like the snowboarding class is co- connected to the old wealthy class under the Shah where the class differences were so huge that sure you had you know the hipsters snowboarding well it was before snowboards but the hipsters enjoying sort of this Alps lifestyle in Iran then so many people were poor and being shit on right and so that's another thing that you learn from travel is the geopolitical population uh, um, factors and just how complicated it is you know they well you've been
1: to Africa right sure where have you been
0: um, well I've been to South Sudan okay. And Ethiopia, I've been to the Omo Valley, uh, where they have the tribal; uh, those isolated tribes where, like, a hundred years ago, nobody went there, and like the teenage girls get their lips severed and stretched out with clay plates. Oh, what, really? Yeah, and they have like these scarifications, and and are people thinking, going now? Oh yeah, I mean okay. it's super popular, and you'll see it on TV a lot. And part of the problem is, I mean, this is just an example of how once you crack open the con- uh, the, the complication of any country, and we can get to partying and the fun parts of travel too but yeah. once you start looking at the complications of a country and of travel it gets really complex because it's awesome to go and see these tribes where the women will braid their hair with butter and clay and they have these scarification patterns on their head and the men are still um fighting with spears and they they might buy have a couple of village ak-47s and um but their new economy they can make more money posing for tourists photographs for a buck a pop Wow! than raising cattle, right? Wow.
1: It's completely changed their economy like in a, right. in a
0: flash. Right. But it's also incentivized at a time where it's like, well, maybe now that we can afford um, sneakers and iPods, maybe we should stop mutilating our teenage girls and stretching their lips out. But then they have no money. But then tourists want to take pictures of, it, of extreme looking people, right? So, so that's the... That's the, the weird, creepy part of yeah. tourist complicity is that we're actually – We're forcing the states to stay backwards. Well, we're, 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 there's all this cash flow that's coming in. We're, we're actually um, – we're bringing the outside world into this part. Like in Addis Ababa in the, ca- in the capital, the people in the tribal lands in the southwest have no political capital at all. You know, the, the legislature's yeah. the legislature could give a shit about the people who live down here. So tourists coming in and infusing with cash and sort of telling them that they're important and they're super cool. That's good for their collective identity. But then once that they can afford sneakers and electronics and cell phones and and maybe diversify their economy beyond cattle, then suddenly it's like, well, shit! I could make I could make fifty bucks this morning. You know, because my teenage girl's lip was severed and, and that's what people want to take pictures of, right?
1: And then they're not even doing it because it's their culture. Then they're doing it because like money comes in.
0: Well, it was their culture. Right. But then can they really question
1: the I mean, weird, it's like if, if it's like if you make culture. Native Americans dress up in the headdress because it's fun to take pictures of them. They're like, that ain't us. We don't dress like that anymore. Well, and that that goes way back. That
0: goes yeah. back to the 19th century where basically people and, and it went through the cowboy. I was just talking to somebody about Westworld and how weird it was that um, Westworld, this is a complete aside, but it was sort of based on this 1970s movie. Um, and in the 1970s, it was still the vestiges of people being in the Cowboys and Indians movies. Now, nobody Westerns aren't in the theater very much. Uh-uh. Um, but in the 19th century, there was this fascination with the idea that – Native Americans were dying off. Well, that wasn't really true. We were, we'd just been shitting on them for a couple hundred years and they weren't dying off. They just, they were trading in their their traditional gear, saving it for ceremonies and they were wearing serious catalog, and t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. They were wearing stuff and so
1: Oh right. Not dying off, but just like becoming part of the rest of a, a, us. Just they like they were they
0: were assimilating. They assimilating, were assimilating. they were making decisions on behalf and I'm not saying they weren't getting shit on. There were some horrible things. There were Indian wars in the West at the time, but they basically we took them making decisions as a community to integrate clocks and blue jeans and things. And it's like, Oh, the Indians are dying off. And it's like, well, no, you know, <laughs> go to New Mexico. There's all sorts of native communities. Yeah. There's like, I, I uh, interviewed for my podcast, a, a native American filmmaker from my hometown. And there's like 500 In Kansas city uh, from Wichita. Oh,
1: wow. Oh. Uh,
0: federally recognized. He's like this total Robert Rodriguez style DIY filmmaker. He makes films for like 10 grand uh, about the native American experience. and And part of what he does is like, He's like, dude, the Native Americans I I know don't know how to ride horses. They drive minivans, you know. But that doesn't make them less Native American. So he has like he made a Native American zombie movie, for example. Um and he like he likes he likes all the genre movies. Like he he's pushing back against the Damn. idea that he has to ha- perform a certain Indianness. And so Yeah, cuz
1: even if it's like even if it's not you wearing a headdress, it would seem like the, the push would be to make a movie about how people feel like we have to be in a headdress or something like that. And it's like, just make a fun movie. Right. And that's the way you do it.
0: Well, then he has a political message in his um, zombie movie. Basically, it's like in the world of his movie, the Native Americans are immune to the zombie virus, oh, which yeah. is an inversion. Mm-hmm. Like most of Native Americans in North America died because of germs. There were the Indian Wars and a lot of shitty things that happened. But the germs killed off um, – huge percentages of native americans um when when europeans first settled there and so the premise of his movie is okay the zombie virus is killing the white people the indians are the only people who are resistant and so they have to save the day you know Uh, and so uh it was interesting without being heavy-handed about it he was able to one make a movie about zombies which he thought was awesome his name is rod polka watch it you can find his movies on uh, on youtube um and at some film festivals, uh, and then two, he was able to make a subtle little statement about, well, well, what if suddenly we us. have the resistance, and and that white people need us, and that you know they need to, they're, they're dependent on, on uh, our largess and, and and our allyship, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so cool. that's, I guess we've drifted away from this, but yeah, there, there's certain ideas of how people should be. You know, what is, you know. You think – who knows how many Native Americans are living on this block, you know, um, but people you don't no wear idea. traditional clothes here, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's another thing that, that travel underscores. You go, to, you go to a place like Ethiopia, uh, you're putting money into the economy, but then suddenly there's this tension, you know, that there's some kids who suddenly they have enough money to go to junior high school in the next village over. And it's like, mom, really? You're going to sever my lip. I, I, I don't know if this is actually happening, but I can see it happening. It's like, I don't want, I... We don't need to do that shit anymore from fucking
1: grandma's time.
0: Right, right, yeah. You I, know? I, I'm, I'm playing Warcraft with a guy from Denmark. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> at my boarding school in the next village over, I, I really don't want to get my lips severed so that tourists can take pictures of me. Can we do something else? So anyway, that's, it's it's one of those things where you could say, oh, tourism is ruining it. But no, actually tourism is bringing a lot more options into this part of Ethiopia. But at the same time, tourists aren't coming there because... The people of the Omo tribe are are awesome people. They're doing it because they look old fashioned. You know, right. they, they look extreme. They look tribal. They're still tribal once they're wearing blue jeans and playing world of Warcraft, but we're not going to pay a dollar to take their picture.
1: God, so, that's weird. Yeah. It's weird what it does. So there's some of these countries, even in, in Egypt and, in, uh, in, um, Africa where it's like, some are like, yeah, sure. People go there like, mm. like Egypt, uh, Kenya, Sierra Leone, Morocco for sure, right? Nigeria, and, and the, well, actually, there's we, South Africa for sure. The map is split between
0: two. There's there's probably three big tourist areas of Africa, which is there's North Africa. Yeah. And it's usually Egypt and Morocco.
1: Yeah, because in between is Libya and Algeria, and those yeah. are like Arabi Muslim countries, right? Well, they're all and Muslim Tunisia. countries,
0: but Algeria had a big attrition war, and then Libya had a dictatorship. Yeah, Tunisia. I mean, that's where they shot the desert.
1: What the English patient? Was it Tunisia? Yeah.
0: Um, but Morocco's super close to Spain, so a lot of people go there. Egypt is just—it's been hosting tourists for five thousand years. Bustling. So that's one zone. Um, the other one is really like Kenya, Tanzania, Ethiopia. It's where you go, and maybe Uganda. It's where you go on safari, you know. Uh, and then the third one—at least this is for American tourists—is yeah. the southern part. It's like South Africa,
1: Zimbabwe, uh, a little bit Namibia,
0: Zimbabwe. It, that's had a dictatorship too. So oh, really? tourism is probably slacked off, but Botswana, Namibia, that whole Southern part, like the population density is a little bit more sparse here and the landscape is really beautiful. Like the Namibian desert is just amazing. It's like you're really? walking through these orange sand dunes and it's like, I can't believe I'm here type stuff. Wow. Um, and there's the skeleton coast and the South Africa is, is huge and there's, it has like 18 different specific regions, you know, everything from jungly savanna type stuff to total great surfer beaches and mountains and vineyards and stuff like that. So those are the big three. Whereas you get a, this says Zaire because it's an old map, but that's, um, what is it now? That's the Congo. That is a
1: huge, wait, Zaire is different than the
0: Congo. Well, they renamed it. Congo's here too. There's, there's, there's the democratic Republic of the Congo. Basically there's, uh, Congo, Kinshasa and Kamba. Congo Brazzaville. Um, anyway, fewer people go to those because there's there's almost no roads uh, in, in, for, in what was formerly
1: Zaire. Oh, to get um, There's a lot of
0: war. There's a lot of corruption. Western Africa is more popular with French speaking tourists. So um, I
1: wanted to go to Liberia, and oh, Liberia not going would be yet, Fascinating, but it just got pieced up again. Yeah, you know, it just yeah. became peaceful when, when Charles Taylor got deposed. So, like, yeah. my friend who, who who left in a in a exodus. Because his family, he was like, yeah, we go back now. He's Liberian-American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, we go back now. It's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. And now there's all this like opportunity. My other friend went to just Togo and Ghana. Right. Those, I mean, all these seem fucking cool. Well, by re-
0: again, like, uh, listeners can take my African knowledge sort of with a grain of salt, because I've recently been to Namibia and South Africa, but some of this other stuff is just stuff I've heard. But I've heard great things about Ghana and Gabon. Which those Gabon. aren't super close. Gabon is down here. Yeah. Also, good wildlife and, and stuff like that. And then, of course, like there's a ton of Nigerians in the U.S. Like um, mm-hmm. tons of
1: Nigerians the, like, here. They always sell drugs in other places. The Nigerians <laughs> are the drug, are the pot dealers in China, for well, sure.
0: Nigerians are very international. Yeah, like they're in, in they go kind. places. I mean, they're like like the Chinese. Actually, the Ni- Nigerian people, not to generalize too much, but they're great with languages, and so. Hmm. You meet a lot of Nigerians who can just who pick up the languages and, and pretty wow. soon they're working. Actually, a lot of Nigerians uh work actually in the United States, Nigerian Americans are very successful too. You know, like a lot of med schools have Nigerian Americans really? and okay. stuff. Yeah. But that the travel reputation of Nigeria, which is one of the most densely populated countries in Africa, yeah, Lagos is not is good. Major. It's like like it's just it's uh it, that's known as a dangerous city. Like I've never been there. Lagos? Yeah, or is it Lagos? Is that I don't know. how you say
1: it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I have <yeah>. no idea. <laughs>
0: anyway, it's a giant, giant, giant city, and um, crime can be bad there. Um, but then I haven't been there. So so like somebody who's traveled to Nigeria might say, dude, what are you it's, talking not that, about? it's not that complicated.
1: Yeah, that's really how Dili was for me in, in Timor-Leste. Yeah, People like to be so careful, and you're like,
0: what are you talking about when you're there? Yeah. It's fine. And oftentimes, um, the country that is supposed to be the terrorist country or the dangerous country, whatever people are so awesome. You know, you go there and they don't have, you know, 7 million tourists coming every summer. And it's just like, Oh, Hey, who are you? You're looking at Mali. Yeah, um, I'm looking at Mali and all this, what is all this like water? And like, what is probably swampland or something? Oh, Timbuktu is in Mali. You actually, you were attracted to the
1: Africa map. Is that a place that you want to sort of on your mind? I mean, it's sort of a little bit. It's not like high on my list, but every time it comes up, I'm like, yeah, I've never been to, I've never been to the continent. So, like, I mean, Israel's already Asia, right? Is that the split? Well, do they play in the World Cup? Sometimes they
0: play – they like to consider themselves Europe. Who? Uh, Israelis. Yeah. So do Lebanese, right? Um, uh, but sometimes they're, they're lumped into Africa. Sometimes they're lumped into West Asia. And sometimes they're lumped into Europe. It, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's the same for the Republic of Georgia and, and Central Asia. They like to think of themselves as Europe. but I mean, they're
1: all part of, like, this Mediterranean Sea. And if Greece is in Europe, they're so close well that's it like how do you how do
0: you categorize it yeah. obviously there's a lot of history that's been shared on the seaboard, and so why would Israel have a lot in common with Sudan when sailing ships are much easier than trying to get to, to Sudan you know overland I guess they could go by the Red Sea um, yeah yeah, so I mean that's the problem of geography you look at all these all the countries on our map are orange, green, pink, and purple, but
1: oh, this what?
0: this was the decision of a bunch of british and german jackasses and what the n- color no the borders of africa like oh right all right the countries in oh africa yeah are colonial borders well right? that's what
1: they said was the problem with uh with um with all the the middle eastern regions where like yeah it wasn't those weren't the natural ethnic uh areas like 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 and- afghanistan wasn't finished settling yet you know afghanistan iraq iran are so like they hadn't finished becoming countries yet so we just said or us Westerners just said, okay, here's your border. And it's like, oh, no, no, but these, I think people go from here to here, go through Saudi Arabia and half right, Iraq. Right. Um, and that was after World
0: War I. And the British, had a, British and French had a big hand in that. And so that's why you have Lebanon, which is separate from Syria. The French decided that the Christian majority needed its own nation. Right? Oh, right. Even though culturally there's a lot in common. And even though Syria has a ton of Christians, they just decided to chop off everything west of these mountains and call it Lebanon. And then, um, yeah, you have these administrators. Winston Churchill was one of them. But one of the reasons why the borders in this area, I'm pointing at, at Iraq, um, were chopped up that way is British Petroleum.
1: You know? Yeah, Kuwait the, had their own.
0: That they wanted to make sure that things were divided in such a way that ensured the flow of you know, the easy
1: oil contracts coming out of an oil-rich part of the world. Yeah, and if, if one country had all of it, then they'd be like, that's too much power. They can just hold it off.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to get too conspiracy theory-ish about it, but it was literally a decision that was in the interest of British petroleum, probably yeah. more than people lived there. So if you look at at Iraq, and actually the Kurds got totally screwed out of World War 1 because there's Kurds that live here in Turkey and in Syria. I hung out with Kurds, super cool people. I think in the last podcast we talked about that a little bit. And they're like, "Oh yeah, we love the Americans. You know, they have a flyover zone. We go, our cousin plays in the basketball league across the border uh-huh. in Iraq." So, the Kurds, you know, there's been this huge war in Syria and the Kurds have sort of been allies to the United States. There's a reason why because the, the United States has sort of been Probably in its own self-interest, sort of treating them as as their own country in this part of the world. The Kurds they got screwed after. Yeah, I mean, they speak a language group similar to Iran, a, a Persian language. They don't speak it in an Arabic language, even though they sort of got chopped into Arabic countries. Um, and so, so yeah, that's why that's why I, the Iraq War was so weird because you have you have Shia Muslims living in the south and more towards I, Iran, right? And then you have the Sunni Muslims living. Um, more in the north, and that 's where a lot of the big battles were happening'
1: two of my my, my uh, half brothers and the captain in the army um, and he was in charge of putting up a provisional government in Afghanistan I think possibly okay. Iraq it might have been Iraq, but I thought it was Afghanistan. But they had to like – took about a year to settle on which percentages of Kurds and Shiites and, and, and whatever okay. else. Well, then it was the Iraq because yeah, the, okay.
0: the Kurds aren't in Afghanistan.
1: Uh, and then they finally decided, okay, of the 100 seats, 12 for this group, 37 for this group. They finally figure out a number that they could agree on. It's like, okay, let's have our first meeting. And they're like, oh, I'm not sitting in a room with a Kurd. <laughs> right. you you're out of your yeah. mind? And he was like, yeah. oh, that's my tour. See ya. Let, yeah. let the next guy inherit this.
0: No, and it used to be in, yeah, instead of drawing borders, you just fought it out, and
1: that's who made the decisions. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's where I really want to go. This is like oh, – let's flip through this, but like – And I'm with you because you're pointing towards Central Asia, and I've never been there before. Yeah, Tajikistan, all yeah. the stands, but not Afghanistan, Pakistan so much, but Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan.
0: Although I talked to someone who's just to Pakistan and it's like, man, it just – Pakistan, Pakistan Pakistan is so normal, you know, that there's, you hear this scary stuff coming out of it, but I
1: think it's regions. I yeah. think that's like wherever, what's his name was hiding out. It was like, you don't go to that part. Yeah.
0: Well, there's the tribal regions on the border of Afghanistan, but then there's these big cosmopolitan cities. Um, and again, I can't speak to, to Pakistan cause I haven't been there, but I've talked to people who've been there recently and it's just yeah. like, it's a normal place and look like, look at, look how big Iran is. Yeah. Know, it's a big mountainous country. Um, and actually even during the axis of evil days, Iranians have always been really friendly towards the United States. In part because a lot of them have cousins in Los Angeles, right? You know, there's a big Persians, uh, yeah. Persian For uh, sure. Diaspora. For sure. And and they know that. You know, even though they have sort of this repressive theocratic regime, they know, you know, they they, they know the score. They know that that um that their cousins are living better in Los Angeles and then there's even though the United States is the great Satan, air quotes, that, Iran has
1: uh, also always been oddly like non-combative towards us and towards even towards Israel. Like they're, they're fine with Jews. There's lots of Persian Jews mm. and their experience there is like, no, we're treated like eagles. It's fine, but they're just anti-Zionist. So they're just That's not a fan of Israel, but like Jews aren't a problem to them at all. But like, right. you wouldn't expect that. Cause you're like, Oh, Arabs hate Jews. You're like not exactly. Well, there was,
0: there was in the news about 10 years ago, there was this thing where like they, they, 13 Jews were on trial in Iran, and everybody's like, oh, Iran hates Jews. And then I was talking to somebody, a Jewish Iranian friend in California, of course, yeah. and he's like, dude, they, they didn't pay off the right people, right? Um, and so I think we forget sometimes as Americans that just how much graft and relationships and sort of the weird haggling of life consists of in these other countries. Right. You know, that Most of the stores, we're looking at a map of the Middle East and South Asia right now, very few stores in this entire giant region have price tags <laughs> that mean the price on the tag, right? It's
1: like a jumping They're off. Haggling
0: point. cultures. <clears throat> Excuse me. In in India, I know that if you want electricity, the, you have to bribe the right person, right? You know that's just how things get done. Damn. And so, in that particular case, is that 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 um. Certain people had got tired of paying off a certain administrator, and it's like, oh, they're Jews. We'll put them on trial for, for blasphemy. And it wasn't about blasphemy. It was about somebody didn't wow. get their payment, right? And that happens oftentimes. We see the world through this is one reason why travel is cool. We see the world through sort of middle class American lenses. You know, what's wrong? Well, the system is different.
1: They must know? be doing this. You're like, oh, you don't yeah. even understand the, the, the jumping off point of how to like analyze this.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Why does
1: it say Turkestan are separate from all the countries? Well, there's
0: Turkmenistan. Yeah. um, And Turkestan is probably an ethnic region. So the Turkmen probably live there. But these borders were divided up during the Soviet era, right? Yeah. So this used to be Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan used to be part of the Soviet Union. When I lived in Korea, the Kazakhs, they had like the the Junior Olympics basketball championship in Korea. The Kazakh team is all Russians, right? Because during the Soviet era, Russians moved in. Russians are nice and tall, sporty. Um, and so, actually, there's a lot of supermodels come out of Kazakhstan too, because it's that Central Asian, um, gorgeous, sort of a yeah, just an extreme. Um, I don't know if "extreme" is, is a fair way to say, it, but a very striking look um, in Kazakhstan, because it's sort of a, it's a mixing ground. It's Central Asia. People have been mixing for a long time, and and um, so you have ethnic Kazakhs, but then you also have a lot of ethnic Russians. Eastern
1: Turkestan. So that means this must all be like this giant, and this goes all the way right. to China towards, a, towards a, the Uyghur province. Right. I talked to a cab driver. I, so this is, Somebody told me this my first like f- four or five days maybe in like Yangon where it was like talking to some other travelers. We are just getting a, a beer someplace. Uh-huh. And um, they were talking about where they got, and this one lady was like, this stands. it got in my head. She was like, nobody goes there and it's fucking great. And, I'm, oh, and I I've talked to a, Nothing pa- but good things. I talked to a cab driver and he was from one of them and he said, two of them are gorgeous and great. One of them's fine and one of them's like, don't go, you'll die. Huh. But I got to figure out which one's <laughs> so sorry before oh, I go. It, it's,
0: it, it shouldn't like,
1: well. And that's got to be down to, to to government and how much they control crime and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, there's, yeah, I don't know there's one.
0: Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan. And Tajikistan, right? Yeah. And Afghanistan, Pakistan. Yeah. Um, but like there's great mountains and hiking. There's probably good skiing up there too. There's a lot of mountain climbing. They're just big, beautiful, amazing places full of full of history. There is actually Jewish tribes, Jewish communities in this part of the world. Really? Well.
1: Yeah. Oh, that'd be weird. If, if you want to go, go see Jews, go see a Jewish old synagogue.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure if they're still there or not. But um they were called mountain Jews, I think. What? Yeah. And they they, li- they just lived a very isolated existence, I think in Uzbekistan.
1: Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Man, see that'd be a fun thing just to try for like fuck it, you know? Like I heard there's all this new uh tourism, twenty three and me tourism. Oh. See Have you heard about this? See, I when twenty three and me first came out.
0: The, the app was optimized toward health. You could tell the people who designed it were thinking, oh, people want health information based on it. – it's like, no.
1: No, people are so People sister.
0: love that genealogy stuff, and that does not surprise me at all. I, I, I think I told you about how my my dad on the speculative level found out he was like 0.3% uh, Ashkenazi, which is probably not true, but it was the speculative. And so now he just makes all these dumb jokes about you – know, Jew he's, jokes.
1: He's like, I'm a Jew. I'm a load.
0: <laughs> well well – uh, and i'm sorry if this is a repeat if we talked about it last time but it's like he's 0.3% ashkenazi 4.4% uh, neanderthal right you know so he looked up ashkenazi of course in wikipedia cuz he's my dad and it's like he found all these nobel laureates and yeah. successful people and so it's like yeah you know uh, but what about the Neanderthals in you know <laughs> right? so that's his little self-deprecating joke but that was speculative and i tested zero so
1: i don't know if like, oh. my mom has so much non-Jewish DNA that I... <laughs> it overwhelmed the Jew. <laughs> it fucking Holocaust of the Jew in your jeans.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I think that basically the speculative level is not always accurate. And then, who knows, maybe I, maybe I am
1: .015 Jewish. Did you see that Simpson uh, South Park on 23 uh, on May?
0: No, huh? And yeah.
1: it was just like um, Stan Marsh really wanted to be black or Native American so he could claim victimhood. Okay, uh, and it just wasn't. He ended up trying to like make out with a Native American dude right before he took the swab test. So they're like, "You're way, you're super high percentage of Native, so we gotta test again." Um, but then he, he, he whatever, he took it. And they're like, "No, nah, you're your regular test. You're." 100% white, except you do have like a small trace of Neanderthal on you. And he was like, "Yes, you wiped my people out. There's none of us left. How dare you?" <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but yeah, I, most Europeans
0: will test for Neanderthal. I have a high. You might notice my brow is a little bit prominent. I have a high percentage. I don't know if that's of Neanderthal.
1: <laughs> no, I do. I do. My
0: 23 and me, I'm, I have a high percentage of Neanderthal. The reason I went to this map is that there's also a Jewish autonomous region. My friend John what? Harlan, he's a travel writer from Canada, actually. Yeah, and he took the train. And he stopped oh, that's at this. the
1: Trans-Siberian.
0: That, yeah. that train. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, look at it. It's and, so fucking big. And so the Soviets. Oh, it's you've got to go. You've got to take the Trans-Siberian. Why is this orange and this yellow? Because that's Europe and this is Asia. So oh man, Russia's Russia in two spans different- two continents, and I have the distinction of being like most Americans. First, go to Asia, you know, on their high school trip to France or something. First time I went to Asia to to Europe. Did I say Asia? First time to Europe is high school trip to France. First time I went to Europe was over the mountains from Asia because I went to Asia before I ever went to Europe. Wow! So cool. I took that train in, across the mountains. But yeah, John visited. He he's, he has an article coming out oh, for Tablet cool. Magazine about being a Jew visiting this Jewish autonomous. Basically, the Soviets gave the the, the Jews this little this area to this be. This area Jewish? is like down here. Yeah.
1: Wow! I'd love to read that. Yeah.
0: When's it coming out? It comes out in July. I actually interviewed him for my podcast. Um, about his experience on the Trans Siberian. And then I read an old story. Like, I went on the Trans Siberian like 19 years ago, and it's just this crazy experience. So I got left behind by the train, and this Mongolian <laughs> lady is like, Oh, yeah, you know, he will hire this guy, Egon. He can take you in the car. And it's and to catch it's up like, with it. Yeah. And w- which we did. And she's here, Well, be careful because sometimes these people will can't think of the word. And it's like, Well, what, what, do, what do you mean they'll, they'll what? It's like, Oh, well, they'll kill you. Like, she finally <laughs> came up the word. It's like, They'll kill you. And she's like, Well, I don't think he will, but it, it can happen. So, me and my friends were just freaked out. It turns uh-huh. out we beat the, we, the train goes at like 35 or 40 miles an hour. So it was easy to catch up with the train, <laughs> but we were freaked out. We weren't sure what was going on. So was just, it was one of those things <laughs> where, where a bad experience made a great story. Yeah. Um, and it, I should have put it in my second book, my Marco Polo didn't go there book, but it was one of those things where I actually ended up partying with these Russians in St. Petersburg um, and I wrote about the party. It was like these women from the library and the university. And they're, they're, they're a lot of fun. There's a guy named Daniel. And when I wrote the story, it came out in salon and Daniel didn't like the story. And so I felt bad and I didn't put it in my second book. And all these years later, I can't figure out why he felt why didn't bad. He like it. Yeah. I think people just don't like to see themselves on the page. Even if it's true stuff, it's
1: probably the same in, in your line of work. People it don't is. Like you to- talk about somebody in podcasts or on, or on stage and be like, what the fuck? Why are you talking about yeah. me? It's like, I don't know, man. Cause we did something together. And and I'm remembering it. I I do not
0: know. You look at Daniel, Daniel with two eyes at the end, not IE, but I Russian uh, rendering of Daniel. And he's he's a total hero. And that's why I didn't put it in my second book is that because I liked the guy and I didn't want to hurt his feelings. 19 years later, I can't figure out what he could have been pissed off about because he comes off really well. And so that's why I sort of did it as an audio book. One of my podcasts next month is going to be basically me reading this story, like a 14,000-word story, crazy story about going on the Trans-Siberian. Damn. And it's just – got to do it. It's it's not exciting. It's actually boring most of the time. But it's like the longest train ride in the world. It's like you can feel – look, if this was a globe, that would be like
1: this much of a curve. I mean it goes from like – yeah, it goes from near – Jesus, like over Iran almost, or Iraq, all the way over to, like, Thailand.
0: Yeah, and if you take it to Vladivostok... You then can keep going? It's the entire width of Asia. So the classic oh Trans-Siberian is from Moscow to Vladivostok. Damn. And you stay in Russia the whole time. I took the Trans-Mongolian...
1: Kazakhstan just a touch? Is that real?
0: I don't think... I think it goes around. I think this map okay. is wrong. I don't think... I could claim I've been to Kazakhstan it it. if it does, but um uh, yeah. So it goes; it stays in Russia the whole time and goes to Vladivostok. You can also take it through Manchuria, or you can take it through Mongolia, which is I did, which was great. I stayed a week in Mongolia and rode horses
1: and, and wow, and they're uh, warriors there. Oh, I I love Mongolia. Really? Um, oh what, yeah. What was it? What did you do there besides? I mean, horses sounds cool.
0: Well, I'm I'm from Kansas. I'm from the Great Plains, and so this is like. Um, Kansas times 100. It's like Kansas on steroids. This is this big, giant step. And there's mountainous parts of Mongolia. You can go fly fishing in Mongolia. You can go off-roading in Mongolia. You can go hang gliding in Mongolia. But I just loved being – basically it felt like Kansas before time if Kansas was like 150 times bigger than it is because it's just this empty nomadic – part of the country. I mean, not that many people live in Mongolia. And so I used to just spent a lot of time just hiking around. Sometimes I, I rode horses, but mostly I just hiked around. And it's like, I'm going to hike all day to this hill on the horizon with my little sausage. Food's not very good in Mongolia. My sausage and my bottle of vodka. I'm going to watch the sun down, <coughs> go down and drink some of the vodka and hike back at night. Um, I don't know, maybe that was dumb, but like, there's just no trees. It's just all grass and rolling hills and a few cliffs and rivers and stuff. And so mo- I think most people you talk to who've been to Mongolia become Mongolia fans because there's just a lot of wilderness. Um, Nobody goes there too. Grassland wilderness, yeah. It's probably a little bit more expensive than than other parts of Asia. But man, I loved it there. So I took the train from Mongolia to Ulaanbaatar. Then I spent like a week you know, traveling around Mongolia, got back on the train, went up to Lake Baikal, um, which is – yeah, one-fifth of the world's fresh water is in Lake Baikal. What? Yeah, it's deep. It's super deep. It's this crazy, I don't know, volcanic lake or something. And uh, so stayed a couple of nights on the shore of Lake Baikal and then went to Irkutsk, which is like the Paris of Siberia. So like all the people that got exiled there brought culture with them and there's opera houses and like – Beautiful oh, I didn't people. That. Yeah. yeah, and and look at where. So where's I, Irkutsk? Always viewed,
1: I always viewed Siberia in my head when they're like we're going to send you to the Gulag in Siberia. I pictured it like way up yeah. north where yeah. it'd be like ice all the time. But it's pretty much in the same. And there's it's on, don't as get me Moscow, wrong. There's some say.
0: desolate wastelands out here,
1: but Irkutsk
0: is a real city and it's a pretty cool city. And then you get up a, a lot of this stuff way up north. We're looking at this map and it's sort of been flattened out to compensate for the globe type thing depicting a, a yeah, round curve. shape on a flat surface. But this is mostly tribal stuff, you know. Way up north. Juchi, yeah, more, I don't know if Eskimo, you know, Inuit is the right um, parallel. But it's more, people live a more tribal life up here. I think a lot of, and maybe they tried to ship Russians up here, but they probably froze to death. So. <laughs> Died. Why would anyone <laughs> be up there? So a lot of the Gulag people, including probably the, the Jewish autonomous people, probably got sent there. I think there, there's Jews all over Russia, actually.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of Russian Jews. Is
0: your ancestry go back to Russia?
1: Yeah, my my grandfather from from uh, my my mom's side I think is Russian. Or My grandmother, maybe my
0: grandmother, maybe they both yeah. are. A lot of American Jews have Russian
1: ancestry, but yeah, we did a lot of uh, in high school. We did a lot of picketing outside the embassy, trying to say free Russian Jews. Okay. Yeah, they would force us to. Get, it wasn't our cause, but they would force okay. us. Look at the kids. The kids care. <laughs> oh, I was okay. Like, oh, they off.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I had Cuban friends who were forced to go protest the Elian Gonzalez thing in oh, Havana. Oh, they
1: hated giving that bag back and back. They hated giving him back. Yeah. This is what somebody told me. That's why Hillary Clinton could not win Florida, is because oh, of her the husbands. Cubans never forgave Bill yeah. Clinton for giving that kid back.
0: That actually came back in the news. Of course, we're recording this at the end of June, with the uh, you know confiscating uh, immigrant kids. Mm-hmm. Some people on the right have that picture of the dudes with submachine guns stealing or taking Elian Gonzalez back and taking oh yeah back to jumping Cuba. in yeah. Um, and so yeah, that 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 still resonates. But my actually, Cuba is another country I could go on and on about. Um, I just had a really great month there about eleven years ago. Um, yeah, my my friends who were younger mm-hmm. than me, they were about ten years younger than me. They were in their twenties at their time. Um, they had been forced to go protest at the uh,
1: you know protest the Eli Gonzalez thing, and it was totally political. Was yeah, one for kid, sure. One right? kid. Nobody really cared. Yeah. And also, by the way, his real dad was in Cuba. Yeah. It wasn't like. He was cousins in America or his fa- right. actual father in Cuba. If it was just like all in Kansas, they'd be like, no, no, send him with his dad. His, his right. cousins are fine, but his dad's across town. Let his da- it-
0: totally. Yeah. And it, actually my Cuban friend said, yeah, you know, he probably would have had a better life in Florida. But so it was political. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, oh, there was no – Even at the time, it, it, the logic that he, for family reasons, needed to be in the United States didn't make sense, right? It mm-hmm. wasn't direct family. Anyway, that was a complicated that was a complicated situation. What are the kid's doing now? He must be an adult, right? Oh, I bet he has his Wikipedia entry. Put that in the show notes. Yeah. Um But yeah, and that was another weird thing, is that you go to Cuba and you realize and that's another thing, fun thing about going to to other countries. You go to Cuba and it's like, hey, remember that Ellen Gonzalez? What was that like in, in Cuba? And then your Cuban friend's like, dude, I had to get on a bus, wear my little socialist <laughs> neckerchief, and pretend I was pissed off about it. Um <laughs> And so, just anything—it's—it's it's like meeting celebrities in in, in, in a sense, you know—that you can go ask about political or—it's crazy when they have a
1: specific different experience, like that Vietnam in in Ho Chi Minh, the 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 Vietnam War Memorial. Is just call, oh. It's just—it's called the American War, and it's yeah. called the War Remnants Memorial, but it's just called the American War because they just yeah. finished with the French War. They're like, it's not the Vietnam. We, right. We're here. We live here. It's not. A, it's not a war against us. And that's an interesting perspective. Yeah, so you get a different side of it. My sister was in Israel during the first Gulf Uprising. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and they all the carry around gas masks because it was like Gulf uh, Gulf uh, Uprising. This was ninety two. Of Gulf War. Yeah. Gulf yeah, War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not uprising with the
0: Scud missiles. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so they were all they were trying not to hit Jerusalem, so they're airing in the side of too far over Tel Aviv because it would go like you know. Right. this way and then they're like we're not going to just land it here that's too, that's everybody's holy land so let's try to get it here but if we right. go too far that's fine they don't want to hit they also want to hit Asia, so they're yeah. like you know a lot went to the ocean but at any moment they're like gas attacks might be a thing so right. they had to work, walk around with their, their gas masks in a box but these are kids. These are 20-year-olds and, and, and teens and whatever. So they all like really like adorned their gas mask cases okay. with like stickers and like huh. they draw on each other. And so it was like this stylish thing that yeah. they ended up never using. Yeah. But like that period was like everyone carried around their style case. That probably that Nirvana reminds them of nineteen ninety one. Yeah, exactly. My Nevermind sticker
0: sticker. <laughs> actually that was that was slightly before the Gulf War was early nineteen ninety one. I'm nerding out on the nineteen nineties, so God, that their vanilla ice sticker or whatever yeah, yeah. whatever they would have been obsessing on at the time. Uh but yeah, totally. And I, I think a lot of stuff actually, this is um this is an American example, but I was in I went to Cleveland for the first time last year. Yeah, went to the Rock Museum. Oh, okay. Went to a Royals Indians game, and I was sitting at the bar, and I told some Cleveland guy—he was a drunk cop, actually, interesting guy—but I, I, I was nervous around him because he was really drunk and, and really aggressive. Um, but he was really pissed off that I went to the to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Why? Well, he's he's from Cleveland, you know. He sees it as just sort of this big, you know, corporate thing. It's like it's like that's not dude, that's not Cleveland. It made sense. Like I was, I I was going to actually, I I talked to Ian MacKay yesterday for my own podcast and we talked about it. He hasn't, Ian MacKay hasn't been there, but he's very much outside of corporate rock and roll. If there's anybody who's outside of corporate rock and rolls, it's Ian MacKay. Of Fugazi. Of Fugazi, right. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know what he made of me talking about having been to the rock and roll hall of fame. But one thing about being there is that (laughs) you go in there and you, you go and you try to look for the music you liked. I mean, you can learn about, you know, uh, cool old music, Big Mama Thornton, you know, Sister Rosetta Thorpe, you know, all this old pre-rock music that's you learn from from, but you go and you're looking for, like I was into Portland and Seattle music in college. I was into Fugazi. It's not really there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And so, so this, this police officer I was talking to, cool guy, but again, he was a little bit drunker than I was comfortable with, um, was just sort of yelling at me about how that's not Cleveland. And it makes sense. So you, when you think about Cleveland, you think of the river setting on fire. I thought he was going to punch me when I mentioned the river setting on fire. He's like, dude, that's the 1960s. And it's true. (laughs) But, but so much of the preconceptions of Cleveland are rivers, the Cuyahoga river catching on fire in the 1960s and the Rock and Roll well, Museum. From all the, from all the uh, pollution? From, from the pollution and then the sports teams, right? And so that's just an example that can has a corollary with any country in the world where you have two or three stereotypes that you as- associate with the country and then there's all the other stuff that's there. Um, and so... In retrospect, yeah, I was – in Cleveland, I was only there for a couple of nights. I watched two baseball games. I went to the Rock Hall of Fame. I walked around a little bit and that was that. You know, I, I hardly saw any of Cleveland as Clevelanders probably appreciate it. But every place in the world is that way. Every country
1: in the world is that way. Or like, we have this and then other people come for whatever else.
0: Yeah, or, or people go to, to Bombay because they're interested in Bollywood movies. I
1: mean and- do you find that with Paris? When you're there, you're there enough now, where you're like almost a resident. When you're there, right? I'll be there in a week. Yeah. Um, So do you find it's like my friend just went, but is it like you know all these people come for the Louvre, and then it's like locals like we don't do that. Um, We have, but it's just like not like Smithsonian in DC. Like locals go every two years, right? right.
0: Yeah, there's no you know the Eiffel Tower is just this big thing in the city. You know, there's no reason why. I mean, that's a fun place to go. It's 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 all tourists there, but you know. It's people from all over the world having picnics on the Champ du Mar. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun place to be. Um, and if I was a young traveler, I'd go there because it's full of young travelers. You know, let's go talk to a oh, right. traveler from Germany or Brazil or whatever. You know, let's flirt with somebody. Yeah. But of course, yeah, the French, I'm trying to think. Uh,
1: like the Hollywood sign in L.A. People like go there, but like we just drive by it a lot. And yeah. it's like you don't even notice it. And people like if, you, if, if L.A. people had to describe what's there to do in L.A., the Hollywood sign would not come up on that list. Right. But people from out of town are like, yeah, we got to go see the Hollywood sign. And you're like, Oh, I can tell. To- that's just ha- a neighborhood
0: you. full of people who are tired of people who want to go see the Hollywood sign.
1: Oh yeah. These people put up like fake signs. Like this is not the way to the Hollywood yeah. sign or Hollywood that way. Yeah. <laughs> and So it's just like, don't come here.
0: Yeah. And that happens everywhere. And that's why, that's why certain parts, not to knock tourism, but that's why certain parts of Paris, for example, are sort of sterilized Paris. It's like, there's no Parisians there. You know, you stand in front of the mm-hmm. the, uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral. I mean, that's dead center of Paris, and I'm sure there's some Parisians who go to church there. But it's just it's full of it's beautiful. It's amazing. But it's like, why would a Parisian go stand around outside the Notre Dame? That's not a living part of Paris. That's a tourist part of Paris. Right. Um, and you know, there's people who live by the the. Um, Ile Saint Louis, the next island over in, in the river, is full of wealthy Parisians. Of course, now it's probably full of wealthy Russians and Americans too. Um, and so that's the funny part of any any city in this day and age. It's going to be full of. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of wealthy Russians in New York, yeah, and, in Los Angeles, Chinese too, for sure, and Chinese people. Um, and and so it's all. It all becomes
1: well. That's what New York is now. I guess a lot of rich yeah. Chinese people, but then like.
0: And like yeah. any big, any big hip and happening city is going to be that way, which is why it's good to go to frumpy provincial towns when you go to another country too, because France is not Paris. You know, you go, I made that mistake the first eight times I went to France. Of course, I was teaching class in Paris, but then it's like, oh, I'll go down the Loire Valley. I hear there's a sister city to Wichita, Kansas there. That's goofy. <laughs> and so it's, <laughs> it's, there's all these beautiful little towns and they're very French, probably more distinctively French than a big globalized city like, um. Like Paris, more French in the traditional way. Every country is that way. If you only go to the capital city,
1: it's just a know, big city. It's just a big city. I mean, it's Yeah, you know, Kansas and 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 or Kansas City and and Manhattan are vastly different. But like even outside Wichita, let's say,
0: yeah, yeah, no, and that's I I I'm, I'm a big fan of Wichita, is where I grew up. You know, it's this industrial town. You know, it has these Detroit like qualities, but yet it's distinctive to Kansas. But even you know anywhere. I mean, you grew up in Maryland, right? I'm, I don't know mm-hmm. if you went to small towns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's, I guess there's a corollary of that. If you go to Thailand and you're only, I mean, you can't skip Bangkok, but yeah, if you I only a, go a, to Bangkok. Yeah, I
1: met a guy who went to Thailand this weekend in San Francisco, at one of my shows, and a uh, few people, a couple of them went to that cave lodge place, I said. But this guy was like, I was like, you've been to Bangkok. He said, I'm like, I fucking hate Bangkok. I'll never go by there. Hmm. I'll, okay. I'll avoid it if I can. I'll go fly through Chiang Mai if I, if I can. It's just so Fucking dirty and gross. Yeah. But he was like, he felt the same way. But he felt a little bit like that about Chiang Mai. And he was like, he figured out a way to live like two hours south of Chiang Mai and just like learn Thai in almost no time because all his neighbors were Thai. Sure. And he yeah. said there was all these like travelers who would hang out with each other. And he was like, Oh, fuck this. I'm going where there's Thai people on my left and my right and on yeah. top of me and behind me. And I've been that traveler. Yeah. You have
0: and that's part of the fun. But <laughs> it is, they're cool. But it's it's cheaper. I mean that can be another thing. The argument for hanging out with other travelers because there's something beautiful about a bunch of people in the traveler mindset and being excited about where they are. But anywhere you go, there's the there's the expensive capital city, which is fine. I like mm-hmm. Bangkok. Um, and then there is there's the tourist places, but then there's all these other places, smaller, sleepier places that are cheaper. You know that you're not going to get overcharged because you're a tourist at the restaurant because they've never had a tourist come right. there. And they're going to, and if you, if you confused, go to
1: Poughkeepsie, they're not like trying to scam you there. Yeah. You know, they're just like, I don't know if you're here, you're here or something, but here it's like, Ooh, how can I get over on this person?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a big, that's for as long as cities have existed, yeah. you know, that's, that's been the thing that there's an anonymity. There's this, the strangerness to cities is that I'm sure the, the, the person who started this ice cream stand Eventually, took an interest in every person who bought ice cream. But eventually, it's just you're another mark. You're another yeah. person, right? Yeah. And so, the small town, um, the ice cream guy is going to be, oh, you're not from here. Who are you? You know, and that happens in every country. You know, and you end up
1: talking to them. Yeah.
0: Or I'm, I went to a lot of small towns in Thailand. I spent a lot of time in Thailand. And so pretty soon um, – You wrote your book there, right? Mm-hmm. I wrote a yeah. book? in a town called Renan, which is probably 30,000 people.
1: That's your – which one was that? Marco uh,
0: – Vagabondi. I wrote Vagabondi. You ever, I yeah. There? Yeah. I oh. wrote there? I wrote some chapters of Marco Polo. didn't go there in Thailand. But uh, sure. And one reason it was, it was it was cheap, you know. I paid $100 <laughs> a month rent. And this God was, damn. Yeah. For yeah, actually, it wasn't a house; it was a residence hotel. But you know, I had people. And
1: my come friend and left my laundry. And, yeah, and we saw it's like places you get like an apartment in a giant skyscraper in Bangkok for like two fifty a month, and yeah. we're like, "Dude, we should just get that and let everybody stay there. That, Whoever's gonna go? That is the that is the crazy secret of this. And I don't,
0: you know, I, I was sort of a vagabonding evangelist last time we talked on your podcast. But I look at Facebook sometimes. I try not to look at it too much, but hmm. recently somebody posted. Uh, if you had a million dollars, what's your dream? All the comments: travel, 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 and it's like, guys, just do it. I wrote a book about this a long time <laughs> ago. You don't need a million dollars to travel. Come on, and and that's that's the rule rather than the exception. That the awesome two hundred and fifty dollars apartment. You know, it's in, sweet, and, and and Bangkok's a it, cosmopolitan. It was modern as fuck. Yeah, and it, Bangkok can be dirty. There's a lot of dogs running around, but it's just like you get used to that. Oh,
1: children, seven year olds at fucking three a.m. selling Viagra and shit <sighs> on the street. It's like,
0: oh my god! I don't think I saw that. I think that was after my time in Thailand. But, but yeah, you know, you can get, you can live comfortably in many parts of the world simply if. There's, there's the go on Airbnb stage of travel research, and I'm not going to knock that, but then there's also stay in Bangkok for a month, stay in this place, stay in that place for a month, find out what, where local people are living, what, where they're eating, what the rents are, and yeah. you don't need the, the middleman experience. You, know, you find a nice person who's – sure, they'll, they'll charge you $25 more than a Thai person, but it's still $275 a month for, for, for a furnished apartment. Don't quote me on those prices because I haven't been there recently. But, yeah, I, I I paid $100 a month. And I think I've told you about this as well. I'd go down to the corner restaurant. They knew I couldn't read very much, so they'd drag me in the kitchen. I'd point about what it, what I would want to eat. I had great Thai
1: food for under a dollar every evening. Oh, my you know? God. It's so crazy when you do the price and you're like, it was under a dollar. Yeah. And then you ate plenty, like enough. Yeah. Yeah, and that happens. Under a dollar for a meal. That happens
0: all over the place That that if you – are, if you travel slowly enough to just sort of travel in the local economy where it's not about convenience but just about you being hungry, right. um, then, then uh, yeah, it took me a while when I was in Southeast Asia specifically to realize that this was normal, that it wasn't a mistake, that people weren't making a mistake, but, you know, where it's like after what the exchange rate was. but it's You just like, got
1: to be careful. Like there are no restaurants over and after 8 p.m. In places like you better eat when you're you know before no restaurants open at like oh, right. 10 p.m. Yeah. 11 it's like yeah. that doesn't happen so it's like
0: but then again if you travel slowly enough then you you get used to that
1: you know yeah yeah exactly then, We're like, we like we got to eat you know
0: that that's how it works and then people don't see you as a ghost either it's not like people local people hate tourists but again you're another they don't mark. See them.
1: they don't see them
0: yeah that you're just a person who needs something and it's like okay you need this i need 10 extra bot for it because you're not going to be here tomorrow. You know, if I charge my neighbor 10 extra bot, they'd come and yell at me because they're going to come to my fruit stand the next day. I going to charge you 10 extra bot because I know you're on the bus to yeah. Laos. Tomorrow. And at 10 bot, you're like, whatever,
1: fine. It doesn't Well, matter.
0: that's another point I'm making. not even a dollar. In vagabonding, is that if you want to travel slow, become a haggler, that's fine. But at the end of the day, why well, get it bent out of shape? It's, it's like a tax. <laughs> it's like your traveler tax. You're already yeah. saving. You're, you're saving hundreds of
1: dollars a week Already just been. by living. Yeah. Your tax is an occasional scam.
0: So if somebody wants to overcharge you for that durian fruit, uh-huh. you know, why lose your shit over that? You
1: yeah. Know, like, that just- the, yeah, we had that in Myanmar where it was like the chat I think. And it was like, I think we're buying the sunflower seeds or something like that. And my buddy from Spain, they were like, uh, it's like, how much? And it was like 200, 500. He looks up and he's like 500 because <laughs> he sees, Oh, that's all white. Yeah. 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 And it was like, Oh, right, I say what you're doing, and you can haggle, but don't lose your temper. Don't, you know don't, why ruin? Let it ruin your day yeah, over yeah. two bucks. Yeah, yeah. Don't let right exactly Nah, and, I'm gonna just go next door. You
0: have the right to say no, and they have the right to say no. Yeah. So it's not like I mean, there's a lot of people. This happened when I first moved to Korea. Is like young people saying, "Oh, I was being judged for being white." You know, they're just racist. And it's like, well, not really. You're probably being judged for being an asshole. And and two, it's a different set of rules. You know, they have their way of doing things, and we have our way of doing things, and.
1: I tell you about the the, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Well, I just we get a lot of free passes that maybe your white face is going to people might not like you for geopolitical reasons, or they might charge you more because they think you have more money. But it's rarely just about you
1: being a a white person. Yeah, it's usually to pay more. When it's white, I've seen it's like, where are you from? I'm interested in you. Uh, um, They had some lady in I forget Cambodia on some island. She was in a restaurant. She was claiming racism against her. And it was just because she was new there. A white lady? A white lady. Okay. And it was like they weren't bringing her a check. And I wanted—I didn't, but I wanted to go over there and be like, they don't bring checks here until you ask for them. Yeah. But you can sit here for five hours. They'll just let you sit here. Yeah. It's not racism. That's just the way they do it here. Yeah, and that's the hard lesson.
0: That's why that, that first... Week or two of of like real independent travel, of real long term travel, is a tough week because you're learning all those lessons the hard way. The new like, customs, the, because, w- the way. Because to be you like. have instincts as an American consumer, you know uh-huh. that you have the right to get mad in certain situations where you feel like you know. Well, everybody else is this or that. Why? I think I I went to a to a restaurant once in in Vientiane, Laos once, and and this oh, cool. American backpacker got upset because they wouldn't bring the check. And what he didn't know is it was the opening day, and all the food was free. You know? <laughs> so he was like getting really upset, and it's like, well, where's my check? You know, what? Um, and so they were trying. You know, they didn't speak enough English. They were right. trying to say it's we're celebrating, and, and so he was still. I forget <laughs> if he was American or not. He was still, he was still plugged into this American way. It's like, no, you, you're not going to mess with me. You're going to give me my check. And I you're trying like, to say, how are you free.
1: mad? Everything's free. Why
0: do yeah. we have angry customers when it's all free? And that's an exception. It's, it's yeah. rare that you're going to go into a place and 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 your your delicious Laotian dinner is free, but. He was working from the assumption that the check was important and somehow it was a scam if he wasn't getting a check. And he wasn't patient enough to just clarify what exactly is going on. Also, in, back at the time in, in Laos, uh, customer service was super slow. It's like yeah. if you if – you, even this way in, in France it's now. It's Paris
1: like that too, right? Yeah. My friend was like um, – like, I couldn't believe how like – people are like, can we get our check? It's like, uh-huh. He goes, I just saw him going now sit down. Yeah. After we said, can we get our check? He went, he's sitting down talking to his friends. And not bringing us, he was like, I guess we're gonna be here for a while.
0: Well, it, there's a different mindset behind it. And so people would go crazy in, in Laos because it would just take forever for the food to come, for the check to come. And it's like, it, it's Laos, you know, there's no efficiency training.
1: It, it's actually, ta- use this as, an, as a pretext to enjoy being here. Well, that's the thing. That's what I try to tell people sometimes. And it's like, we're late to, I'm like, you're not late to anything. You're already there. You're yeah. in Laos. Yeah. You're there. Yeah. So if you spend four hours at this restaurant, that's cool. If you have a walk, that's cool too. Like you're, you, you got
0: it already. And, and do you see Laotian people shoveling their noodles in their face and sprinting off to do something else? You know, that do You do see that? No. Well, I no. was going to say, do you see that? Oh yeah, exactly. You know, it's exactly. Like, look around. Look around. Nobody else is in a hurry, you yeah. know? Um, and it, this is part of being, part of being in Laos is eating a slow meal. Part of being in Paris is eating a slow meal. And actually there's a restaurant close to my school. It's a Vietnamese restaurant. They have a nice set menu for like 10 euros. You get a nice hearty lunch. I had to stop having uh, lunch meetings there because I couldn't eat lunch in an hour, you know, with a couple students because it's Paris it, that it is an hour. Lunch trip. is not something you get out of the way in Paris. Lunch is something you enjoy. It's something wow. that you savor. Food is part of the pleasure of being in Paris, and wow. Parisians are that way, wow. you know. And I'm sure that. If you're a Parisian business person and you have a very tight schedule, you know where to go to get a fast meal. You might go grab a crepe or a sandwich or something someplace. But if you're going to sit down for a meal in Paris, um, fucking enjoy it. Yeah, and that's that's sort of a cultural starting point in Paris and Laos, and many parts of the world of the map that we, that we have open right now.
1: You think it's like in Laos because of France invading them?
0: <laughs> I think, I think no, probably. I think that, that Southeast Asia is just. Not a hurry culture in general. Yeah, maybe know? that. Um, maybe it has something to
1: do with French. I need to go back there. I miss that part of the world. Do because Vientiane. I was always heard you can get great cheese and wine there because of that it's stuff. Okay. And then and then in Vietnam because of their French uh, colonialism. It's that's the bánh sandwiches. Is always crazy like coffee. Bread. The
0: the, really? the the condensed milk and coffee. It's weird. It's super sweet and it's condensed milk, which is like drinking in Laos in Vietnam and in Laos Vietnam. Both. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then what was the other thing? Oh, cheese. Yeah. Like in all throughout Asia, it's hard to find cheese, but impossible Las- to find. They cheese. sell the little cow cheese, you know, the, those little pie shaped uh-huh. triangles uh-huh. of cheese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can get that there. Soft.
1: Yeah. Hey, in terms of like what you're saying of like, I, you know, I want to make money so I can go traveling. Do you ever hear about that? The the, the, the sailor. That, it's like a, a fable or whatever. Um, Where's this guy, you know, he's a fisherman. And they go, um, he was taking somebody on his boat. He's like, give me a hundred bucks. I'll take you fishing. And the guy's like a businessman from America. He's like, you know, why don't you, if you bought another boat, you could like have employees take that boat out. And then you could like build up your business and eventually like get more and more boats. And the guy's like, and then what? He goes, then you get more boats, you get more money. He goes, and then what? He goes, then I don't know, you can retire. He goes, and then what? He goes, do whatever you want. He goes, yeah, I want to go fishing. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I'm doing that already. Yeah, He's yeah. like, what are you talking about?
0: Yeah, I've seen that. I think I've seen seen that parable online. Yeah. It comes it comes back to that question of well, what do you really want to do? Like, how do you want to spend your time, your, your waking hours on Earth? And again, we we it's not a bad thing. We we optimize efficiency. It's about no. getting more assets. It's about leveraging other people. But at the end of the day, again, Facebook post I, I saw within the week, comment after comment after comment was travel, and it's like, guys, you know, Just that's do it. that's not that hard. And then there's a lot of there's a lot of fear. Actually, What's fear? This, I get the
1: fear. Well, it's well, foreign. To
0: Trump in this era, like Trump, has turned Americans very parochial. You know that suddenly all we want to talk about is America, uh-huh. right? Is that other administrations? Um, you know, we talk about politics a little bit, but there's also this around the world stuff. Like, people, especially people on the political left have in America have usually been pretty. Globally minded, it feels like there's less of that now. Everybody wants to talk about Trump all the time, and it's like there's other parts of the world, there's other things going on. There really
1: are. It's so annoying and awful. It's like it's like uncouth to talk about that.
0: And and why not? I mean, it's dumb to say travel to avoid American politics, but travel because travel is important because life is not that long. And that just think about how much time people are wasting worrying about things in America right now, and. To no political effect you know, To
1: no effect yeah. It's not like you're a, a policymaker. Then I get underst- <laughs> Wanting to know The, the difference between uh, You know Interest rates And tax or whatever But like I don't have any effect on it So me being upset Or me being happy With how it's going Doesn't matter at all yeah. So go out and enjoy a park Yeah You know what I mean do, yeah. do
0: something Have fun Well it's like Political onanism You know That we're sort of Stroking ourselves We're not really engaging To use the sex metaphor We, we do a lot of It's, it's gotten worse we think we're doing politics, you know, we think we're having sex, so to speak, to draw out the metaphor, when it's just a lot of, we're just stroking ourselves and each other, you know, there's all this blank talk. And so I don't want to seem like I'm, I don't want to give, you know, proper respects to people who are involved in, in American political things. But so many people who are obsessed with politics are doing it in such an ineffectual, masturbatory, self-defeating way that Maybe you should go have fun in another country. You're not betraying your political sensibilities by going off and having fun in another country. You'll come back and you'll be a part of the conversation in
1: a good way, you know? Yeah, and you can be like, hmm, you know, I've saw another way of doing things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or I've I've seen I've seen again, I don't want to get too political, but I've seen um I've been – we're using authoritarian as a metaphor now. I've been, I've been to five authoritarian countries in the last year, and this is what they're like. They're like, is, quit calling him Hitler. It's well, not even close. Right, yeah. And – yeah, no, I, I, in Namibia, I had interesting conversations with uh, with some Namibians, some of whom thought Trump was interesting and kind of liked him because Africa has more authoritarian rulers, you know, that there's more to oh. identify with with his way of being in the world. So, like so my that. point I, is, is yeah. that you I'm giving people permission, even if you're worried about pol- politics domestically, it's actually good for America to leave and not to go to America to volunteer and in, in some sort of place, think you're doing good for the world, go and have fun. And keep and learn things and find out about how, how people live and all the political complications in other country and come back and make that a part of the conversation. It's like we've stopped talking about the rest of the world and we have permission to have fun. You it's know? so
1: cheap now to get places too. Yeah. Like the world is all like flights away. I talked to so many people in Indonesia about how much they hate their leader, president or prime minister, whatever it is, Jacoby. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, he's super crooked. He sold off one of our islands to Chinese. They like they hate him, and it's like, oh, this is interesting to me. You can see like correlations of how to like, yeah, yeah. All governments are fucking crooked. Yeah, you know. It,
0: but even just seeing, the, the, just there's so many levels. It's like everybody's talking about one thing right now. You can go into a village and just see. Oh, well, that's how they build houses here. This, that's an ingenious way to irrigate their crops. And suddenly, instead of thinking about one thing in between work and your social media account every day in the United States, suddenly you're a polymath. You're figuring things out. you figured out a few words of a language. you figured out how to haggle. you figured out how homes are built. You've talked to a dude who has a job similar to you, but it's, it's different in its own way. Yeah. And suddenly you're a fuller person and you're bringing that back home. I guess I'm just getting tired about people who are so political that they can think of nothing else. But it's actually good for the health of everything, including your political sensibilities, to go and not be a dour person who's going to save the world. I, you can volunteer if you want, but just go and experience things. See how people live. Come back and and be the person who has some perspective on that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friend just told me that the other day. He was like, yeah, hey, when you came home, you were just more, you were a lot like, nah, it's just how we do things here. You know, like that attitude about things. Uh-huh. I was like, oh yeah, I guess I saw things done differently. <laughs> it was just like it's not the way it's done; it's just the way we do it. And where, is this in the United States? Yeah. When I came yeah. home, he was like, "Yeah, you're yeah. different now. You're like, yeah, yeah. It's so easy to do it. Just pick a place and go. So let's let's figure out where you want to go. Where Where oh, are you looking man. to go next? Oh man. Every page. I mean, every page is really so. Like, bad. right?
0: I don't know when this is going to air, but it's World Cup time right now, right? It is. So-
1: we don't care at all now that America's not in it. It's barely rates. <laughs> right? Four years yeah. ago, there were fucking lines around the block for everything. Everybody's representing their country that they came from. Yeah. Nobody gives a fuck anymore. But now it's funny because everybody has their proxy loyalties, right? You mm-hmm. know, that, that. Yeah, my grandfather was from so and so. Right. Yeah, I once went to. <laughs>
0: well, I was in Iceland last year. I loved Iceland, so I'm sort of pulling for Iceland. All
1: that shit. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Dude, I did that at the end of my show there. Oh um, yeah? Was it last year? Two years ago? Um and I we I they do intermissions a lot in in European style comedy. And so we did an intermission and I came back and I just started I like and I started did, doing that did the Icelandic Yeah, clap. And then they all like did it with me. It was so fucking cool. And then my friend, a guy named Ari Eljarn, who's who started Icelandic comedy, he was like, Oh, just so you know, that's like hacky here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, because I'm glad I didn't tell you because we wouldn't have done it. You it's like, you,
0: like the Macarena. Yeah,
1: it's like, it seems like you had fun, but like every fucking time they open a bank, somebody does that now. It's just so fucking right. overdone. And I was like, fuck, of course, of course.
0: They, they did that.
1: The Minnesota Vikings did that. Did like, they really? Yeah, some like
0: the strong man came and, and led them in those cheers. You went to Iceland, though. I saw
1: those pictures. Yeah. Oh, god. what a great fucking
0: country! Isn't oh it? my god, it's so good. Iceland, I, I I dream in Icelandic. I I love that so much. And before I went to Iceland, everybody's like, "Oh, Iceland is so over. Like, there's gonna be three million tourists this year." I don't care. It was it was so beautiful. I I had a car. I drove my sister and my nephew around. Yeah. And uh, this was not too long after the last time we talked for this podcast. Actually, this was like a month and a half later. And I just I just loved it. I read the sagas out loud uh, to my nephew and my sister while you were there while we were driving. Wow. So we're driving through this otherworldly landscape. I'm I'm reading a story it looks that's like, a thousand but,
1: years old. And by the way, the landscape looks like Martian. It's all like oh. like just volcanic rock with like moss grown over it.
0: Oh, and that moss is amazing. You're oh. not supposed
1: to walk on it, but
0: it's like it's like you can almost plunge your elbow into some of it. Deep, it's deep. Yeah. It's deep and soft. And um like there's certain tourist stop waterfalls which are fine, but if you hike in any direction in Iceland sooner or later you're going to find a waterfall,
1: Yeah. You know? Exactly. You don't have to go to the exact right one. Oh my god, it was so fun. Yeah, so you're yeah. reading those sagas while you're passing by the lands where they were fighting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh. and 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 those are a thousand years old, but it's sort of like game of thrones. There's like violence and action and human nature and people betraying each other and fighting over beautiful women and beautiful women turning out to be uh, devious in their own ways and, and pulling and then then they meet at the, at the all thing and have meetings to talk it out. It's, it it was such a cool place. So I don't think Iceland's going to advance, but uh, it's, I've, I've I've sort of been rooting for them.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, Okay. For the world cup.
0: Yeah. But so like now we're looking at, at Europe and, and of course I've, I'll, this is the fourteenth year in a row. I'm going to go to France to teach my, years in a row. my writing class. Right, um, but yet there's so much untrodden ground. Like, I've so, like which pro- one of these
1: pops up to you?
0: You know, this time I wouldn't have said this before I came here. Yeah. Italy, man. Suddenly, Italy is like, yeah, I've I've been to, I've been to Venice a couple of times. I've been through Rome. I've been vagabonding. is super popular in, in Italy. I get invited there to talk sometimes. Oh, well. Uh, in Geneva and, and Milan But I've never really been to Rome I've never really been to Florence Italy's it, it's, You can't When really you say
1: really here. been What do you mean? You mean like hung out for a while? Yeah Okay
0: Like I've never been to the Trevi Fountains or whatever I've never been to the to the museums Or like driven through the Tuscan cu- countryside um, And there have been to Sicily, you know The Amalfi Coast of hers yeah. Super fucking cool And so that's the thing Is that I pick one country Which in the scope of Europe Doesn't seem that big And there's so much to do north to south. Mm -hmm. You could spend half a year in Italy,
1: and there'd just be all this stuff to do. I mean, when you think about it, if you wanted – I mean, New York's maybe not the best example because it's such a massive city. But, like, you could spend a month here and not really repeat anything, you know, and and see lots of different neighborhoods and stuff like that. And you're talking about a whole country. It's like, yeah, I mean, from – Venice there, to Milan, to Turin, to Rome, Naples. It's like, like very all these, far
0: apart. I had an Italian girlfriend once when I was in my 20s and, and she lived up, up by Trento. She sounds hot. And then even, she's still a friend. Hey, Valentina, <laughs> she's awesome. Um, and But she was from like the Austria, Aust, like her grandmother had a picture of like an Austro-Hungarian prince. It's mm-hmm. a part of Italy that used to be part of Austro-Hungary. And so it's this it's weird... Um, part of it's this very Alpine mountainous part of Italy that's a, that's, that's fully Italian but is also a little bit Austrian you know yeah um, and and yeah so she went to university in innsbruck uh, and, and that there. was my first taste of Italy so a lot of people go to Rome or Florence or Venice first I had this I was like eating polenta and doing shots of grappa and and um, wow, um, drinking vine, you know, like drinking spice wine. It's more of a German thing than an Italian thing, and so, and then I slowly, and then yeah, so i am actually because I spent a lot of time with her in my twenties, uh, and you know I've I've been back through Milan and other places. I've been to Italy, but I haven't really been been to Italy. It's like if you think oh I'll go to a country and check it off my list, it's like well what what. What qualifies you to check, check it off, off a list? list yeah, you know? you
1: come, if you come to like San Diego, you're like, well, I can't say I went to the fucking plains or went to the mountains or yeah. a- anything in America. I can't say America's done, you know.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> you know,
1: it, it, it would be absurd to you went think to Chicago that, for two yeah. days. That's not America.
0: No, I had a much more evil Belgian girlfriend who said, uh, "Yeah, if I go to America, I will just go to Miami for the Art Deco, and that, that's it. You know, there's nothing else to see." <laughs> that's like, a, oh, are you oh, insane? Wow. Okay. Um, and, but but still that, it's easy to to laugh at her. But we we fall into those patterns too. That we all no, we fuck know the place is yeah. is the Kremlin, right? And so it's like I'm going to go see the Kremlin. Ch- check Moscow off my list. And it's like, well, have you been to the the rockabilly nightclubs in Moscow? You know, yeah. If not, then how can what you have check you it been off doing? your list. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so I'm, I do this two countries a year. I've been trying to do that for five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Two new countries a year, and so this year i'm going to austria next month um but i have brussels during this european tour but i'm there for one day and i'm like no does not count
0: you can hang out with both of my (laughs) (laughs) ex-girlfriends
1: yeah i would love to (laughs) they're still there but like one day is not enough time to be like i've been there oh yeah you know what i mean it's like that won't count
0: even yeah with jet lag i mean that's i can hardly count Geneva. i i got this cool award uh in Italy, and I was in Geneva, but I was jet lagged the whole time, and yeah. basically all of my energy was to not be a doofus during the award ceremony, and uh, it was that, and just suffering and trying not to fall asleep, and so it's that same thing, yeah, that I can hardly count Geneva because, um, I was I was there for a couple jet lag nights,
1: and that was it. When I see this, what pops up to me is Romania, just because my dad's Ooh. family was from there before the war. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And we tried to get him an 80th birthday present. We were like, well, we should make it, take a trip. Just the, the, the four kids and my parents, you know, leave all the other kids behind, their kids. But mm-hmm. um, so we're like, let's go back to Romania. He had no interest in it whatsoever. Really? Yeah. You know, do you know where in Romania he was? Yash. I think it was near the border. Okay. Yoshi, Yoshi. Because that's a oh, much more. No. Um, oh, Maybe it's there. Why did I think it was next to Hungary?
0: Because of the, uh, the Austro Hungarian Empire, a lot of um, this part of Romania, Transylvania, is actually Hungarian, culturally Hungarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The borders could go, kept going back and forth, what I yeah. heard. What's then, this country? Oh, that's Moldova. My sister went there last summer. She's been <laughs> well, there that's twice. That's Moldova. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sorry. excited. I actually, I heard myself saying, that's Moldova. I'm a Muppet. Um, no, but I got excited because my sister had a mold. Nobody goes to Moldova. Like It exports our wine and, and sadly prostitutes for other parts of – it's a very what? poor Romanian-speaking country that was chopped off and was made a part of the Soviet Union. A weird thing is that a part of Moldova is chopped off it's called Transdenistria and they still have like Soviet currency there and they speak Russian and stuff. It's and that's weird. its own country? Well, it's not its own country, it's not formally recognized, but if a Moldovan person goes there and says "screw you Transnistria," they'll probably get whacked. It's like a gangster-run Damn. country. And I'm sorry if I just insulted Transnistrians. That's I've never been there, so I'm not uh-huh. sure. But the reputation is that there's this little sliver of Moldova that basically said "screw you," we're going to pretend it's still the Soviet Union. And so it's this very Soviet Russian little district by the Nist- Nistria River. Whereas Moldova is Moldova is. Um, culturally romanian but it was part of the soviet union for a long time and then my sister had a student in kansas um who is moldovian it was part of a state department program just put eastern european students in university so she's visited her friend there twice and um Best salads she's ever had. So, really? So Ari fans, salads. if you want to have an awesome salad, go to Moldova, go out of the capital city, find some Moldovans where they grow vegetables and Damn. beets and onions and shit. Damn. And so my sister can't shut up about how great the salads and the bread is in Moldova. And there's good wine there too. Damn. Um, so it's funny. You put, you put your finger on one country and actually have some stories about that. And you pop up the next one. One of my former students from Paris was like a travel TV personality uh, from Romania, Razvan, and when uh, Bourdain died, I, that's how I found out about it. I looked, and there was a picture of my student Razvan with Bourdain, and it said "R.I.P. Bourdain." And it's like, why would he say that about Bourdain? I didn't. You didn't, didn't know he was dead. I didn't know he was dead. It didn't register. But anyway, he did a lot of travel programming. He doesn't do it anymore. Uh, out of Romania, and I was he invited me to his wedding, which is in Cluj, which is like the very modern um, city, more on the Hungary side. And so I haven't been there. So I'm with you. That would be a great place to
1: visit. You yeah, haven't so, been there before? No. And my dad, And I'm, I'm going to get my Romanian passport because a child of a Romanian is allowed Romanian citizenship. That's, you should
0: totally. Yeah, for are, sure. Are they EU? I think they are. Yeah. So that lets
1: me get in everywhere. Will... And also, if I get stamped with Israel, I don't have to worry about like, other countries that won't let you in once you get okay. an Israeli stamp. Um, and there's all these countries that like you can go there, but it's going to be a hassle if you're an American, whereas other countries are like, oh, come right in. Right. There's,
0: stamp well, there's some reciprocal stuff. Like, I think Brazil got pissed off that we were charging so much to citizens. Yeah, their a lot citizens. of it. yeah. And so it's like, well, screw you, American. You can pay. for it. Yeah, money. so all these
1: you know, backpackers do. like, I didn't do it. I right. can't afford it. <laughs> what just kept let me in for three bucks? Is there the Swiss guy's paying? Why did I have to pay fifty? You do a great register shift on your backpacker voice. <laughs> <reports. laughs> Be
0: the offended because it costs more. Backpacker, love that. I've been that guy
1: before. <laughs> Dude, we saw a guy in Myanmar. We were taking a bus like up north to the Shaw Shah State, and um, this guy was like, "Where's the bus going?" And they're like, "Sir, it left thirty minutes ago." Like, well, where's the next one? I've Checked out of my hostel, and they're like, I don't know what to tell you. The next one doesn't come until tomorrow. He's like, Well, this is ridiculous. Why is there no power? He's like, Sir, none of this is our thing. I, he's quick getting mad. We just laughed at that guy. But when we told my dad I wanted to go to Romania, he was like, What's there? What's there for me now? Because he talked to two historians, like a historian he goes, Dude, There's been two wars since you left, hmm. nothing remains that you'll know of that you'll remember when you were a kid. What year did he leave? 40, maybe. Okay, something yeah. like that. When things were getting ugly, yeah, they, no, I mean, they were. Forcibly transported
0: Oh were they Yeah okay.
1: to, a, to a camp Okay But like uh, So that And then the Romanian war with Czescu It's like It's all destroyed So he doesn't want to go there But he's like right. What's there for me I'm like I don't know See what the capital's like See what kind of beer they have In the country You, you were supposed to grow up in yeah. And then what Azo was saying that, I was like You know what Fuck you I'm going I want to go to Romania now As I'm okay. saying it I'm like There's something different <laughs> There's everywhere There's something to go <laughs> That could be your travel book Fuck you dad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm in Romania I'm doing this on your behalf Yeah Oh yeah. Now I'm excited to go. And then all this used to be like the cheapest, the Czech Republic and Hungary used to be like the $5 five-star meals. Oh, and then in the
0: nineties, Prague was famously uh, famous for being just an inexpensive and a hip place to live. Um, But no, I think, I think all like even Ukraine, um, Ukraine. Yeah. That's a place. I mean, you can see how big it is. Um, It's, it's a little bit less tourist friendly because it's further East, but it's big. um, Of course, I've spent a fair amount of time in Russia and found it very friendly. Um, but I just think you could save a lot of money. I think Ukraine is going to be cheap. There's a lot of stuff to do there and people will just be interested in you as an American. Wow. Especially in the, in the Ukrainian parts of Ukraine. I mean, and there's speak, that part, the Crimea is more Russian now and we've sort you of speak taken the Ukrainian side. Do you
1: think they speak Ukrainian?
0: Well, it's, it's close enough.
1: Do you speak Russian? No, I'm learning for, oh, okay. for these Tajikistan trips. Okay, Tajikistan yeah, Ukrainian
0: is close enough. I, I think that you're conversing in both. And even in, in Moldova, like um, I think my sister student is ethnically Russian mm-hmm. uh, and, and speaks uh, uh, Romanian, which is the main language of Moldova and then Russian as well. And so I think Russian will get you a long way all in this, in this area. Yeah. Maybe don't in Poland or other places where Russia is sort of shit on people. You try to learn the local language before you uh, spring Russia. Russian, but <laughs>
1: just throw that on them.
0: Yeah, but in, you, yeah, in Ukraine for sure.
1: Um, all right, wow.
0: So that's Europe. Like I could babble on about Europe. Like I see Norway. I've never been to. I have sort of a Norwegian name. I've been there. A couple I've never times. been to Norway. Norway's.
1: I mean, i, was, I was just Oslo and Bergen. Yeah. But it's gorgeous, and then they have this thing up north that my buddy, my French buddy, told me about. That is, um, is it there? I don't know. It's super far north, and it's called the Ark. I don't know if you heard about it, but they have every oh. seed in the world oh, yeah, frozen yeah. in case uh, a species of of plant right. goes extinct, and they're like, We have two of these seeds, we can restart shit. Yeah. Um That that's that's super cool. Yeah, and you get you get northern lights up there. because uh, Norway nobody realized how fucking uh, north to south it is. Uh, that's super north. That's expensive though. Norway is expensive. Norway is expensive, for sure. Uh and then yeah.
0: Europe in general is expensive, but there's, that's there's, the problem with backpacking through Europe. Yeah. It's really, it's the, the cost, but you, there's couch surfing. I stayed with couch surfing in Hawaii, actually. Uh, this last time you went? Yeah. How was it? It was good. I, I had the coolest couch surfing host, um, retired guy, house full of surfboards and snorkels and stuff. You can, beautiful house. You can just tell he enjoys his, his, um, he's, he enjoys being a host. Uh, oh really? And, that's cool. uh, and so it's been like – I hosted when I lived in Philly for a while. I don't do couch surfing. It's sort of a young backpackers thing, right? Um, but I had, a, I had a great time. So I guess that's that's one solution. If you want to save 60 to $200 a day – Free. Uh, yeah, do couch surfing.
1: My friend said – that Swiss friend who went to Iran, she said that it's, it's kind of – like there was a golden age of couchsurfing.com. Yeah, yeah. And then it became – more creeps, more… Sleazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's not like like Airbnb had its heyday and then it went down when people said, oh, I can just buy an apartment and then just use it for Airbnb. So you're not really staying in someone's home, like a livable home. It's like sterile. You know, huh. be, Imagine if this, nothing was in it right. except a bed and that desk. Is this couch surfing or Airbnb? What? What you're describing. Uh, both. Okay. But so Airbnb's uh, end of their heyday went to – is just more business-oriented. And couch stuffing's heyday went to when they went bad, it went to more sleaze. Yeah. You know,
0: I, I, when I went through the listings, there was a lot of. The guy I stayed with was great. Um, this was in Kauai because I actually had trouble finding lodging. I was kind of last minute. And there was a lot of like, hey, I'm McS- I'm Sleazy McHippy face and I only accept female travelers, you know? Oh. So you could, it just seemed like there's a guy that you, you almost sort of want to take a bath after reading the profile of like, they have pictures of them sort of looking jungly and and sort of handsome and then they only wanted lady travelers um and and um i could be completely wrong sorry kawaii hawaii guys if, if you're not sleazy but it just seemed uh-huh. like
1: really you know um see i have that problem with somebody somebody said to me another traveler, italian was like yeah i when they want only women i i fucking know that's a sign but to me it's like dudes are gross <laughs> I'd rather have a woman staying here. And I, I when i go to an Airbnb, I'm almost always if it's a livable home, almost always will take a woman's home, the whole place, not just like one room, uh-huh. over a man's home. I've o- I've ever only had shitty like this fucking dust all over the floor. It's gross huh. when it's a dude. Right. When it's a woman it's spotless. Right. They're just cleaner. <laughs> like I don't want to hit on you, but like
0: Right. Right. I'll have to do some more research into couch surfing. I'll have to just do it some more yeah. Um, to yeah. see how – because I, I, I can't speak highly enough of, about the couch surfing experience I had in Kauai, but it it just seems like a lot of the clients are younger and then a lot of the hosts have ulterior motives. They're like being super sleazy hippie who's like, hey, let's go on a hike and I have this special
1: hammock. Yeah, like that's, that's the only thing that could go wrong if somebody who wants to fucking bother you too much. yeah. There's no like scam for cash, correct? It's just like yeah, hey, you're staying here for free. I don't know.
0: And I might be overthinking this. You know, there
1: might be no. Four I think there's that- right. There's enough that it's kind of like you got to think about it every time now. Instead yeah. of like they also have like weird meetups, Couchsurfing.com, where it's like they're oh, just yeah. like who's in wherever. Let's all meet York. up here. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, and, and I think that's cool because usually couchsurfing hosts are travelers as well. You know, mm-hmm. they became. Inspired to become a host because of travel, and I hosted some when I was in Philadelphia. Um, but and so they like to pe- meet people of that traveler mindset. I can see why that could be
1: a thing. Can I tell you that that your release party for for souvenir for your book? Oh, uh-huh. That was one of my favorite nights in New York because really? everybody there was this traveler, was unique, interesting oh. people. I felt like a real New York. Like we're out having drinks at some super sweet flat and yeah. just like and just like talking about interesting stuff
0: yeah like every circle of people has something amazing to talk about. Right? Yeah. And so this was yeah, so we had an event at the bar and then afterwards we went to an apartment and there's maybe what 20 people or 15 people, Something not like a that. lot. Yeah. Um and so it's, it's it's like a cocktail party situation where you have different circles and, and so the fear of a cocktail party is that you're going to get stuck with somebody who's telling you about boring shit. Yeah. But because it was a travel themed
1: night, god, that, that everyone every, everyone's every sh-
0: circle was interesting.
1: And even if probably probably even if they had their boring stuff they would have talked about normally, it yeah. like brought it out of you. Like, where have you been? Where? Have, what's all? Oh, what's that like? Oh, this. The one lady was from Cuba. Went to Cuba a bunch. Yes. And like. Everybody was just so fucking interesting. It was such yeah. a fucking fun night, and like the like it was a
0: it was a diverse spread of people. Like there was different ages, you know, uh-huh. there was different backgrounds and jobs. But because we were talking about travel, we could all get excited, you know. And I, I think um, when we talked a year ago, that ended up being a long episode and a successful episode for you. I mean, successful yeah, for instance, sure. A lot of people listen to oh, it. Oh yeah, but the I think most. It's that when you start talking travel with someone who loves travel, then suddenly. Holy shit, you're thinking about something and you're excited, and then you're flipping the page of the of the atlas and you're looking at something else. <laughs> yeah. And so that's great to hear because that was a cool night. It was you know?
1: so cool. That everybody who ended up at the after party My girlfriend asked me about it, I was like, it was what it like, that's what New York should be to me. That's what it is in the movies where you go to interesting parties and meet interesting people.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know? Um Yeah, gosh, I, I wish I remember who who all was there, but it was it was one of those things where everybody everybody ended up swapping stories and then of course the cuba person has exciting stories that can inspire the brazil person you know
1: who also has inspiring stories and and so yeah maybe want to go to cuba more like i sort of like i should go there but now after that it was like i want to go to cuba you know yeah yeah i
0: i almost said an asshole thing which is that oh if only you could have gone there when i went there which is a total (laughs) dickhead thing but i went um in 2007 um and just had the greatest time. But I had I had some nice contacts. I had like a friend that I sort of knew from my book had an ex boyfriend there, and he was like my contact person. He was the one who'd actually been forced to go to the Elian Gonzalez. He ended up being a, wow. a good friend. He was a bagpiper, and like who goes to Cuba and seeks out bagpipers. But I met these <laughs> Cuban bagpipers, and just I just had the 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 greatest time there. So yeah, we could we could we could sit on this this flipping page forever. Until see, yeah, yeah. yeah. Europe I mean, we, is somewhere... Here's the
1: whole world, but you want to flip pages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, I've never been to Portugal. Yeah, um, Portugal seems cool as shit. You know, Portugal has always been on my mind since I decriminalized all drugs. Okay. Actually, Uruguay has... Oh, they, all drugs. Uruguay has legal marijuana...
0: Um, well, that's nice Like for South American countries Actually another Been doing well In the World Cup But not a country That people seek out Like Uruguay Is the Kansas Of South America yeah, Isn't it know?
1: weird How some countries Just nobody bothers with I get sometimes Like I get for Liberia They were a fucking War-torn country For a while Right So I get that It hasn't gotten Through to their heads But sometimes Like Togo That's not on anybody's radar Why Right. <laughs> why wouldn't they go there? Yeah. Like, why isn't it a place people well, just it, all go?
0: Because it isn't on people's radar. You know, it's like there's right. no there's no frame of reference. You know, Liberia has an America connection, you know, because that was somebody's crazy idea. Well, let's resettle the slate. Let's it's let's nuts. create a country called Liberia and resettle Africans who have no connection
1: to that part of West Africa. But they're just like, yeah, we don't trust Americans anymore. We'll take that trip. We'll go. Right. Yeah. Well, you can see why they would take that. Yeah, trip. I mean we haven't been the best of them. <laughs> yeah.
0: But that created and this is a complete aside, but a lot of those a lot of the uh Africans who went there died because they weren't immune to local diseases, right? Wow. And then they created sort of a, a, a an imperial class where the the American Africans were
1: better than the
0: They had no tribal connection to the people who'd lived there for 500 years, but they had more resources and money and connection to the United States. And so it created this tiered system where the American Africans sort of shit on the local people in ways that if not exact – were exactly like the ways they were getting shit on back in the United States were uncomfortably close. Um, Actually, I'd love to go to Liberia just to sort of – to see that dynamic. Um, But it it was part of this idealism in American – I mean – I think it was founded in the mid 19th century, but like Marcus Garvey and sort of the the we're all like back, to back to Africa, move, Africa. Yeah. M- movement, and they, he bought uh, cruise lines and stuff. And it was an idealistic thing. It's like we're going to create the new, the new Eden Liberia or whatever is liberated, and it's going to happen. But from. then it, yeah, exactly. But then it created all these problems. And so the history of Liberia is really long, and for that reason alone, if if it's safe, and again, I, like I spoke about Nigeria and, and Lagos, as if it's dangerous, and maybe it isn't, but by
1: reputation, Liberia is. is um,
0: Less safe than a place like Ghana. I example. think
1: that is done. Okay. I think it's like one of the the word just hasn't gotten out yet, but it is done with the unsafeness. But yeah. they were doing things with like the, when they were buying like rocket launchers t- to see for the tribal wars or whatever. Uh-huh. They'd be like, try it out. I'm like, oh, how about on that dam? And no. they would just blow up a dam. Jesus. So the infrastructure has to completely be rebuilt. But like, right. But like, there's no more fighting. Huh. Yeah. West Africa is a big is a big.
0: Blind spot. Actually, let's go to this page. You pick a continent, and we'll we'll go. We'll pick the page there. But like West Africa, I'm, yeah. I've visited zero places there. I've I've been to a lot of places in southern and, and northeastern Africa. I'd love to go to Madagascar, but Madagascar seems cool.
1: Yeah, there's an island here, uh, maybe in here, the off off India. I forget if it's off the, the west or the east. It was just one of those where I was expanding my uh, Google Maps mm-hmm. until you see a, a piece of land that you're like, what's this? Yeah. And then I, st- I fucking, what? It, the oh, I love the that. islands. Let's, let's find
0: it. Um, this might not be big enough. I mean, there's the Maldives, which is its own nation.
1: No, this is an, this is an island where no one went.
0: Oh, is it the, uh, is it the Andaleg- um, Andaman islands?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's who it is. Okay. Andaman islands. Is that them?
0: Um, yeah, Andaman. Is it the Andaman Islands? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I wrote Vagabonding very close. I, I was, I wrote Vagabonding right here. I have my finger on the border wow. between the southern tip of Myanmar and Thailand. And I almost took a dive trip because uh, they do scuba diving here. Oh, really? I was going to write about it for a magazine. There's an island called Sentinel Island that has never made contact with the outside world. Yeah. To this day still because they basically everybody in that administrative region is saying – Don't go there. You'll get diseases because there's other islands near Sentinel where the native people who are very dark-skinned – you don't think of them as looking Indian or even Southeast Asian. They had settled there way before other peoples came down. So they have probably more in common – I'm not an anthropologist, so don't quote me on this – but with people living like in the Solomon Islands or or Micronesia or or Aboriginal people in Australia, very dark-skinned – and there's some islands in this archipelago that have been settled by Indians, and then all the local people are just living in shanty towns, and they're poor, and their, their old way of living is gone. The people on Sentinel Island, they live a hard life. They st- still live in the Stone Age, if I understand it correctly. They hunt with I think so. spears and bows and arrows and stuff. But um, they haven't been – forced into slums because it's their island still. Nobody else has been there. And so people tried to visit in the 1960s and they shot arrows at them.
1: Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody, some, some captain in, in like a British empire thing visited one of the islands. I think disease wiped out half the island. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, white disease Which always happens. Yeah. yeah. And so like, Oh, you can't go there. It's too dangerous for them. And also what they did was this captain, he had a method of, of meeting people where he would capture somebody. Um, take him as a hostage on his boat, treat him like a king for, for five days or a week, then come back and say, go ahead, be our emissary. And they go, oh, oh no, these guys are fucking, they're, right. they're awesome. Right. <laughs> they let him in. <laughs> uh, but that guy died. Yeah So now instead of Taking a hostage Releasing him as an emissary They killed One of their people So they're like Fuck you We don't trust you Right right Um, And that was here That was in That was in one of the Enderman Enderman Islands Islands? And so eventually They just started going Like leave them all alone So they do have those people Where it's like No one goes here No one's allowed to go Yeah Which makes me want to go Way more But like and Yeah it it, it gets in the news
0: Every once in a while I hope it's still Untouched That would be weird If Sentinel Island Finally fell to the outside world Yeah Um and again, you don't want to you don't want to over idealize a beautiful. culture so much that you get you make them trapped in that. And, and but then again, it's like all the mainland Indian merchants who run the show in the other parts of the, uh, the island. They run the economy on these islands, and the indigenous people live in shanty towns. Oh. It's the same for the sea gypsies who who are all in this area. They, they're more, sea gypsies. Yeah, they're um, Moken Moken. They're ethnically Malay. And they were like the only ethnic Malay never to embrace any of the religions that came through Buddhism, not interested Islam not interested. Christian missionaries go home, and so they live they live itinerant lives on their boats. They actually live at sea oh. much of the year. I, I did write about them, and they have some settled communities uh, in Thailand here, not too far from Phuket. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also there's part, there's some Can islands I mean, Suratani? in, in there's, this is the Mergui archipelago. I wrote a, an article about this for Condé Nast Traveler like 18 years ago. And the sea gypsies live all through here. This is a really wow. interesting part of the world.
1: You ever been to Australia? Oh yeah. Yeah, I like Australia.
0: But Australia is fricking big. Oh, you were just in
1: Australia. Mm-hmm. A month.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: A month. And it was great. This First is time thing I went I'm to a- Perth.
0: Australians, we have the map I'm, I'm I'm pointing at the East Coast Australians usually just go here Just East Coast, almost I, all I went to Alice Springs the very first you time You did? Smack in the middle
1: Yeah, and I, Australians are like Yeah, I've been to Bali I'd, I'd go to Bali before Alice Springs Yeah, all of them I was like, I might go there I might have like four days off They're like, well, there's nothing there, bro It's You go to Alice Springs And then Uluru 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 is like five-hour ride away from that Right. It's like, for what? You're going to be there for an hour but it's an amazing landscape.
0: Alice yeah. Springs is a weird little town. That's the thing. I mean, an American would say Kansas, why would you, you know, why would you go to Nebraska? Why would you go to it's dead in the middle. You know, Idaho or whatever. What was it like, Alice Springs? I thought Something it was cool. It. Um yeah. and I was I was doing some travel writing, so I was writing a story for Slate about aboriginal tourist initiatives in Ab- aboriginal communities. And so I just spent a lot of time with indigenous people there, and it was interesting. They have like dot paintings and um uh, some of them sort of reminded me of my country uncles in Kansas, you know, that people who live close to the land and sort of work in a more rural agricultural environment have things in common and just sort of a way of walking through the world. So here are these aboriginal people who'd been living in that part of Australia for 60,000 years. But they sort of reminded me of Uncle Walt or Uncle Hank, you know, just in the way. Oh, wow. That's cool. I saw one of them. We went on a kangaroo hunt and, and they shot a kangaroo and then one of them wasn't quite dead. So he got a rock and bashed its brains out. Oh. And it was just – and kangaroos Casual. are sort of anthropomorphized in a way. That there's a humanness in the way their eyes look when they're dying. Um, and then we took it home, and he butchered it. And I, when I was on tour for my second book, Marco Polo didn't go there. I would show the the kangaroo butcher thing because I thought it was interesting. Then I realized I would go to college campuses and kids were like so mad about to throw up. Dude, there's and dead angry.
1: kangaroos on the side of the road yeah. everywhere. There, it's yeah. their deer. It's, it's their possum. Yeah, you know? it's just way. Yeah, it's more like their possum. It's as big as a deer, but they're more like their possum. Where it's just like. We don't, I've, I would pull over and take pictures of rotting uh, kangaroo Oh, yeah, you co- see them co- dead co- as much as alive.
0: And then when you first see them, it's like, oh, my God, kangaroos. And the Australians are like,
1: really? Yeah, the Australians are all like, it's not that big a deal. Why does all the Americans fucking care about that? Yeah. But they have the weirdest animals. That, the fucking, uh, what's the badger thing they have? The platypus? Platypus. Yeah. None of these things should exist. Yeah. The kangaroo, nothing's like that. Little fucking T-Rex arms, giant legs, a tail they can stand on to fucking gut you. Yeah. It's just yeah. strange, man. Pouches? Nobody does pouches. Yeah. And then you see them on a hike and just they just come out and you're like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah. And then wallabies, there's all different uh-huh. kinds. Um, I, I went to uh, Tasmania. did? I did, a, you like did. A, a one-week hike in the mountains there. And there's like mountain wallabies. You're like hiking through this cold, rainy place and it's like... Fuck! There's like a there's like a, a Great Dane style, like a Labrador Retriever <laughs> sized kangaroo bouncing across the trail. But it was it was a wallaby.
1: I was so scared um, of them.
0: Did you eat kangaroo when you were uh-huh, there? Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I had a kangaroo burger. I've had kangaroo. Steak before
0: a lot of American beef has kangaroo in it. Actually, what I was told that in Australia is that it's it's a lot of, it's filler. You know, they'll, they'll ship if you buy cheap uh, supermarket beef. It tastes in great, parts a little, a little tough,
1: but it tastes great if you yeah. cook it slow enough. And it's if fine. it's ground up, you yeah. never
0: know the difference. I had an Australia plate where I had some camel and some kangaroo I've never had and camel. some emu and stuff. It was okay, but yeah, yeah. And so kangaroo, uh, kangaroo, Australia sort of has some American like qualities. Um, it's the population is much smaller and it's um, only coastal I mean almost it, completely it's coastal. almost completely coastal and Melbourne is the New York and Sydney is the LA um, uh-huh. and there's great surfing and Australians are great to hang out with in my experience um, and Tasmania is this like this little uh, outlier it's like this little part of new zealand
1: i had a great time in tasmania i've never been out west to perth i did for the first time yeah Fucking I, I that's sort of a beautiful city awesome and then yeah. there's an hour north two hours south and vice versa there are so much cool hikes and it's all this beautiful beach on the indian ocean have you been to New Zealand? I have, yeah. Oh, so jealous. I've been
0: there twice, actually. North or I, south? I, both. Oh. When I went around the world with no luggage, I went to this, the South Island in Queenstown. How, you wanna, how long did it take you to go around the world with no Six luggage? Six weeks. Six weeks.
1: No luggage. Just no, fill no up luggage. your fucking...
0: Pack, no, I want to do it again. It's, you should try it sometime. I should try yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Um, it must be so free to get on a plane and just be like, you didn't even have a backpack.
0: Didn't have a backpack, no just, bags at all, just a vest with some stuff in it. Wow! Uh, and then what I was wearing, uh, and I've, I'm actually going to France. I'll be there for six weeks, and I have almost nothing. Like I've, the older I get, the less I bring because it's just like, it just should I have to carry around the stuff that yeah. you actually use? It's usually a three day rotation of stuff that you actually use on a regular basis.
1: If um, you have access to washer or yeah. to a sink, or a sink, I guess, yeah, yeah. And, and and a good like hot area to dry your stuff. And
0: when I went to New Zealand, it was snowing, but guess what? My buddy Dan lives there, and it's like, Dan, I know it's winterish down there. Bring me a sweater, bam, problem solved,
1: oh, so you borrowed stuff, yeah, you know what I liked about travel the 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 how it forces you to th- th- overcome problems and, like that. I need a sweater, I don't have one. I don't have right. a bag to put it in, right What do I do, and you just figure it out,
0: yeah, or you and I think we overthink problems. We live in this convenience age. We mm-hmm. have an app that solves every problem. It's like, oh, well, what if, you know, you're traveling in the summer, what if you go, New Zealand It's cold. Well, what if, your friend Dan doesn't live there. Well, then I'll buy a sweater. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. at a thrift store. It cost me 30 bucks, you know? And I just spent 30 bucks, which is something that in New York would be four beers or something. And now I'm warm and I'm in New Zealand. And I'm on a zip line and I'm on a jet boat and I'm hiking through the wilderness and because I realized that I as a human being am using something humans have always used, which is simple problem solving, that's, I think that's an important thing for people who are nervous about travel is just like, don't worry about it. Don't think don't worry, about man. that eventuality. Um, and this happened to me in, when I was in India and I wanted to get in the mountainous regions. It was colder and and uh, I would buy or borrow clothes and some of them didn't even fit. And it's like, oh, I look like a dork, but I'm in India. I'm in this amazing mountain, yeah. you know? And, and so I think we overthink so much in, in these beautiful hyper-managed lives we live in America That pretty soon, we're in New Zealand, it's like, fuck, I'll borrow a sweater. You know, you're in. Yeah, and and here you're like, I'm not going to
1: borrow clothes from some person. I don't really know. And it's like, why? It'll keep you warm for the night. Yeah. Yeah, I was at a music festival two weekends ago and it got cold. And I was like, there was selling some shirts in some place and I was like, couldn't find one to fit me. It came to like, and eventually I was like, I'm cold. It looks good enough. It'll cover most of my arm and my torso.
0: And at the end of the day, it costs less than. Going other to a stuff store. that you would throw money at, like I went to D.C. yesterday to do to do my interview. The mega bus was freaking cold, and I I, I thought I might buy a hoodie see. for the ride back. And then I went on the ride back. I realized that the lower level wasn't as bad, air conditioning wise. Oh. So, oh, but but like that mindset has seeped into other parts of my life, where it's just like I'm not going to worry about every eventuality, even on a weekend road trip, because the
1: world is full of. Of solutions. It's full of solutions. I had. I I got. I don't know if I told you this, but I got flip flops. My I flip flops. I brought out there. These Jordan flip flip flops. Um, like Nike Air Jordan flip flops. Yeah. Well, they, it, in Portland they have uh, it's the oh, Nike the store. Nike store. Yeah, cool. and comics there. They they've gotten the hookup. Like you can go in there and get shit. Nice. So yeah, everything's like that's like twelve bucks. It was like fun, you know not much, but um, they started to stink flip-flops yeah i mean i was on them for every day for you know right. two months and right. they like i mean i washed them and they're like they held the smell oh. and i'm like these just aren't working anymore i can't be this guy are they rubber or they have their cloth or something they're rubber huh yeah huh. uh maybe they're a little padded i'm not sure that but i was like these are done they serve their right. purpose they're done but to get flip-flops in my size 11 and a half, not that crazy but there it's difficult in where in when, cambodia in oh cambodia Yeah. yeah and it's like and then you finally find one I found a Quicksilver store. It was knockoffs uh, yeah. and they started to peel, like the bottoms started to peel off within two weeks. I'm like, fuck. And I was ready to like chuck them and get new ones. And then I'm like, oh yeah, this took me two days to find a size that fit me. Right. No style, just a size of flip flop to fit me. Yeah. And I'm like, there's no throwing these out. I can't replace them. There's fix these. And then it's on the hunt for super glue. Yeah. And then you just figure out how to fuck it. You just figure out how to deal with shit. Yeah, it's so cool. It's probably even something you can outsource too is that you just... You Go see, to shoes, like, swimming, I, I a shoes... Fix this woman, put a nail in it. I got shoes
0: resold in Thailand. It, really? It's a country where they still resole shoes. Yeah, they're like, why throw it out? The tops are good. I On my deathbed, there was a period of, of travel between 99 and 2001 when I was my first deep, deep vagabonding trip. It was right before I wrote vagabonding. You look at pictures from that age and I'm, I just look stupid. I look like <laughs> a dork. But on my deathbed, probably... 35% of all of my memories are gonna be from that time when I looked like a dork because I just didn't care. It's like I, I need pants, okay, they're a little bit high water. I'm I'm in in the Himalayas, you know, I'm I'm in this mind-blowing place. Yeah, you're um, not trying
1: to win people over with fashion there. And, and so that's
0: one of many factors that can make people think, oh, I'm not gonna be comfortable. I'm gonna I'm not gonna wear my favorite clothes, I'm not gonna have access to high my waters. favorite that's TV hilarious. shows or whatever. And it's just like how much Um, if you just can let go of that stuff and realize that you solve problems, you find ways to entertain yourself, who, who cares if you're missing, missing season two of Westworld in Nepal, you're in Nepal, you
1: know, (laughs) it'll be there. Yeah. Especially now where it's not like I have to find a tape. It's like, you just get it when you
0: get back. And we've talked before about how time slows down when you travel, where it's just like, you're trying to remember everything that happened in the last week. And it's like, that was a week. I did that much. That was a week. So, um, it really
1: does a few months seems like a fucking two years.
0: And I think that's part of the thing. When you you can spend a morning trying to find flip flops that spend you and that's that fit yeah, you, yeah. and you've still spent your time in a more interesting way.
1: Oh yeah, you got some low clock on the way, and so uh, you've uh, ate yeah. something, see some cool things,
0: and you've gone out to solve Talk to problems a driver. in another part of the world. It's like it's like an adventure. It's part of the mystery. You're you're, you're solving a mystery. It's great. This has been Deviate with Rolf Potts. More about everything that was just mentioned, including links to Ari Shafira's podcast and comedy specials, can be found in the show notes at rolfpotts.com deviate. And as always, you can contact me with insights or questions at deviate at This episode was produced by Justin Glow. Cedar Van Tassel does the theme music. Thanks for listening, and I hope you tune in for future episodes of Deviate with Rolf Potts.